everybody, welcome to another episode of Comics on Infinite Earths. I'm your host, Michael, and Cameron's returning to the show. Actually, hold on a second. Cameron, have you ever done the comic book show? I feel like you've done the other ones. No, I've done the other ones. I haven't done a comic book one. Huh. Um, if you listen to Retro Rocket Podcast, Cameron has been on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode of Trash Cinema, and we also discussed his perfect Saturday morning a few months ago. And um, I think it's time that uh, I, I, I like doing the show with you. And if you're interested, outside of this episode here, I wouldn't mind uh, having you around as like a regular host, uh, guesting like you know here every you know every month or so as a comic book like specialist. Oh, that'd be cool. No, wait, you have done the, the show. I forgot. Last year you did episodes with William when we were kind of splitting the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, did. I did do a couple episodes with Williams, yeah. Yeah, so if you are a regular listener of this show, you'll remember that he did, I think you did the Nick Fury one and a Deadpool one, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was a Deadpool versus Carnage, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this episode we're going to be doing something you suggested, which I felt like I read before and I didn't care for it, so I was a little apprehensive. And I read this and I'm like, no, I clearly have not even opened a single page of Scott Snyder's uh, Court of Owls and City of Owls, which is this massive epic, which kind of overhauled the DC universe. And I stepped away from yeah. comics after Brightest Day, so I'm a little, I was a little lost. So this is like after the rebirth, right? Yeah, it is. It's like in the New Fifty Two era, era. So yeah. Not to be confused not, with the not, actual rebirth. Yeah, not to be confused with the actual rebirth, which I still have yet to get into. But, like, it's in the New 52 universe. Yeah, it's it's kind of strange. So, uh, it went Blackest Day, Brightest, or uh, Blackest Night, Brightest Day. And then did we go into the New 52, then Convergence? Yes, yes. Man, that's a lot of overhauls. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I suggested this one because of, um, because it, it's crossed over to so many different other universes. It's like, it's not just Batman. It's like they had a Nightwing, they had a Nightwing one. And they had a Red Hood and the Outlaws one. I only read the core Batman one uh, with the art by Greg Capullo, who I has yes. I, he has um, really elevated his work because I remember when he was kind of like a Todd McFarlane ripoff. And to be honest, he was kind of yeah. a ripoff. He was just aping his style when he took over, I think, on Sam and Twitch and Spawn and stuff like that. So now mm-hmm. there's a little bit of that flavor, but I feel like he completely changed his approach to how he drew things. And it looks oh, yeah. so much better than it used to. Yeah, so much better, so much better. I like, like, I mean, I like, I like the Sim and Twitch series, but like, it looks a little weird because it look, it kind of look like pudding. But uh, but uh, other than that, it's like I like, I like the storylines to it, and I, and I like the Quarter Owls and how that, how it, it converges and all that stuff with the assassins and all that type of nonsense. It's like, it, it's just, it's just a really good deep story. It's, it's, that's why I suggested this one. So it's funny if you look at the two universes, not that I'm biased towards any one of them, but I feel like Marvel has been lacking in new heroes and villains where DC, Mm -hmm. especially with the Flash and Batman, every few years, it seems like they're adding a handful of new people to add to the cast so it doesn't get tired. And I think that's why, especially Batman, is such a strong following after decades of what something that would be tiresome, I think, for any other Mm -hmm. hero. Well, like, Batman's been around for, like, what, 50 years, 70 years, something like that? Yeah, 1938, 39, 39, I think. So, 80-ish years, 80-ish years. But, like, you know, it's like, 
the like the way they're doing Batman, like they always reinvent him as something different. Because in the sixties, it was like, oh yeah, he's this father figurely type character. Then like so in the eighties, there it was used like this this old man who's like, I don't give a fuck about nothing. <laughs> I'm gonna beat the shit out of everybody because I'm fifty years old. Fuck it. And then, like, sort of in the 90s, they kind of reinvent him as this, like, father figure character, but he kidnaps all the kids and stuff like that. And if you ever, if you ever read All-Star Batman and Robin, it's like, yeah, it's, like, it's kind of like that. And then, like, in the 2000s with the, the Bat, the Christopher Nolan stuff like that, it's like, they try to make it seem like more like, more like that, the Christopher Nolan type series, you know? This one embraces uh, both worlds. The, the comics, uh, when I was a kid, were divided into two worlds. You had detective comics, which were more introspective, and, you know, they were detectives. He had some sort of mystery to solve. You know, he's usually taken on a certain set of villains. He usually took on, like, the Riddler or Penguin, stuff like that. Guys that are more cerebral, not physical. And then Batman was, like, the big stories, the big action stories. So taking on, like, Two-Face and Joker and Bane and stuff like that. Uh, Scott yeah. Snyder found a way of taking both. I mean, these are amazing action sequences, but also there is a serious mystery. The unraveling, they really get into uh, Bruce's psyche. Oh yeah, most definitely. I think the best villains are the ones that can get into get into Wayne's psyche, plus um, challenge him physically, like Bane. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like they, it's like that's that encompasses all of Bat, who Batman is. It's like they can challenge him physically, but they can challenge him mentally as well. It's like, oh my gosh! And Wayne is like, I don't know what to do now. Like, uh, they they they, they killed me. And I'm like, oh, I'm exhausted. No, it's like working three jobs. And uh, <laughs> it is strange that he hasn't collapsed because, as far as I can tell from all the comics, he sleeps like two hours, like this super ninja sleep. And, and his body is completely beat up and broken, yet he keeps going no matter what. And I fall on the ground, and I'm crippled for like a day. <laughs> I don't know how this is possible. Yeah, most definitely, yeah. Uh, but be like, before we get into the story, I'm curious. Who is your Batman, like, movie-wise or TV-wise? Who is the one that you connect to the most? Okay, um, this is maybe a little bit of nostalgia, but, like, Michael Keaton was, like, the first Batman I ever saw. So like that, that, that's a little bit of nostalgia with like the '89 Batman movie. Cause like that was that was made me that's what made me a Batman fan, you know. Yeah. And a little bit like Kevin Conroy, Kevin Conroy is like Batman animated series is like that's what made me also a Batman fan. So it's like nostalgia with that, yeah. But I admit I do like Christian Bale in the in the Christopher Nolan series, and I do like Ben Affleck in the uh, the uh, the new one. I haven't seen I just Justice saw, League. I just saw Justice League. I haven't seen Justice League yet. Is it a disaster? No, it's not. It's actually really decent. Huh. Uh, it, ma it makes up for it makes up for all the rest of them that came before it. But like, like Ben Affleck, he does a pretty good job as a uh, as Batman. He's actually Batman, not as a uh, you know. Oh, I'm Bruce Wayne and I'm saving these little kids and shit. But like, you know, he's actually he's a, he actually does well as Batman. You know what I mean? Uh huh. And it's like, yeah, I, I think he did pretty good. But like my favorite is uh, Michael Keaton. That's, that's, that might be nostalgia, but you know. Yeah, I think it's the same way for me. I, uh, you know, I went and saw Batman three times in the theater. Um, became just completely enthralled with it, and I was kind of devastated when he left before Part Three. I'm okay with Val Kilmer. 
I like George Clooney, but I hate him in that movie, and he knows it too. I mean, he's just like, I'm sorry. Every time someone brings it up, I'm sorry. I don't know what I was doing. Um, that's more of a director's problem, I think. But Kevin Conroy's yeah. voice is what plays in my head when I read the comics. Oh, yeah, definitely. The, uh... Go ahead. Some of the new guys' new animated stuff, like they're not bad, but they, they can't really compare to Kevin Conroy, but like they're not bad or anything. It's like uh, Batman Under the Red Hood. Uh, I think his name is... Uh, um, I forget what his name was. But he did pretty good at uh, in Batman Under the Red Hood. Yeah, I can look that up. But um, the one that I like is from the Brave and the Bold series. Uh, Diedrich Bader, who used to be on the Drew Carey show. Oh, yeah. uh, he brings Drew a lot Carey of fun show, yeah. to it. Animated. Yeah, he's pretty dope. I'm looking right now. I want to say it's the guy from, uh, oh, Battlestar Galactica, but I could be wrong. It's, um, do, 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 do. Uh, it says Bruce Greenwood. Oh, that can't be right. I must be reading this wrong. Did, uh, no, Bruce, Bruce Greenwood did the voice of Batman. Uh, that's kind of surprising because he's a much older actor than what they usually choose to play Batman. He's like in his 60s. Yeah, Bruce Greenwood. That's his name. Yeah, but I, I liked him as a I liked him as a Batman Under the Red Hood. Like Under the Red Hood is one of my favorite uh, animated movies of Batman. I I like but the I, idea. The stories are always really solid. But what bothers me about all of them is that it chose this color palette, this way of making them. It's it's borderline anime, and I always think the colors are washed out, and I just don't I just don't care for it. I I like the Bruce Tim Paul Dini Batman's. Yeah, I mean, cause like it's nostalgia. That's what we grew up on. Yeah, but like. Like I like the I like the under the stuff. Well, like they sort of did CGI, but they didn't really go all the way with it. That's the that's the annoying part of it. But um, like you know, the storyline was much better in the movie than it was in the comics. Cause like the way they bring him back in um the comics is like they don't just use the Lazarus pit. It's like he, it's like Superman does that uh that where he goes and kind of reverses the world and reverses the time travel and all that stuff like that. And that, that's how they bring him back to life. They dip him, dip him in the Lazarus pit to like make him a little bit more saner. You know yeah. what I mean? How is it even Where possible that Superman can turn the world around without causing catastrophic? Like the oceans would be flipping the other direction, throwing gravity completely off. I, I've never understood that. They did that in the first movie, and I was like, no. Even as a child, I was like, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> no, it's not. No. Oh, goofy. 70s, they just didn't like... It's, it's The fact that they even made a Superman movie for that cost is stunning, but there are certain moments where I'm like, oh, uh, Ned Beatty, can can we get rid of him? Because he's really... Mr. Luthor! Mr. Luthor! No, stop it. No. All right, so Wait, I'm sorry. I've stalled enough. Um, let's get into the story. Uh, Court of Owls. Yeah. Basically, mm -hmm. we're relaunching the series with a new look at the Batman world. And what I like is when it opens up in Arkham Asylum, he's kicking the crap out of all these people. Yeah. And you slowly yeah. realize they've changed the look of these classic heroes. Two-Face is truly grotesque. The Riddler has like this mm -hmm. cool mohawk made out of a question mark. A lot of rebuilding yeah. what people look like. Yeah. It's like they all they all have their kind of like tropes that they that they look like in the actual like universe. And, like, the penguin is, like, you know, he still got them little flippers and whatnot. Yeah. The, uh, they introduce a character here, Lincoln March. Um, you know, he's running yes. for mayor, and he's supposed to be almost like a mixture between Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent. He's really noble. He's becoming, like, this good friend with Bruce, and they take him out pretty quickly. And I had to pause for a second and go, that's weird. Why doesn't Bruce Wayne ever just run for office? I feel like he'd accomplish more. Um, as mayor or governor or something 
Because clearly he's not getting anywhere as a vigilante. Well, like, everybody knows like he's the richest person in Gotham. So, like, obviously, he should run for office. Not that so, money like, automatically means... Yeah, having tons of money doesn't mean you're automatically qualified, as we can see right now going on in our world. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, Bruce Wayne, I just feel like, you know, the guy's got some... He's, he's just not getting where. Uh, fighting the Joker every six months and watching more innocent people get killed, I think he needs to change his line of thinking. Yeah, definitely. And I'm pretty sure that Bruce, Bruce has grabbed the pussy multiple <laughs> times more than Donald Trump. <laughs> But a totally different metaphor, uh, you know, with Catwoman. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a dangerous joke. <laughs> the comedy needs to be dangerous, people. That's the one thing I'm a little afraid of is now we're all becoming so um, uh, knee-jerk that comedy is going to die. Uh, to a certain extent, political comedy is going to die. Not with, like, say, like, there's different types of comedy. Yeah, slapstick like, is, is going to be fine. Yeah. This is a topic for another time, but, like, yeah. there's a lot of different types of comedy. But, like, um, this should be another episode we do, yeah. And, and we should mention uh, you are a stand-up comedian. Yes. And, um, you know, I, one of these things, do you bring up, like, nerd humor in your stand-up? Oh, yeah. Well, like, I even talked about, like, Home Alone 2 in, <laughs> like, one of my sets. As long as you're not talking about Home Alone 3, the fraudulent Home Alone. Yeah. It's like, Macaulay Coconut in that one. So, it's like, <laughs> it's like, basically, Home Alone 2 is, like, yeah, he didn't learn how to not be a little shit from the last movie, so we're going to try to lose him in a big city so he at least appreciates his parents and stuff like that. Let's not even note it. He, well, like, he doesn't really need to appreciate his parents. He's a kid. That's normal. What needs to be discussed is the fact that his parents have lost him twice now. Someone needs to call yeah. Child Protective Services. <laughs> well, like, my friend, he came up with an idea. He was like, man... Kevin McAllister got white privilege early on. His family can afford the trips to Paris <laughs> and Florida. <laughs> and you don't know what the fuck they did. But, like, they can afford trips to Paris and all that. So, like, yeah, he learned white privilege early on. <laughs> well, every single one of those John Hughes movies is uh, super rich people. They're all massive houses. they got 80 bedrooms. There's no way that Ferris Bueller would have gotten away with what he got away, you know, like if he was like blue collar, you know, if he grew up poor like I did. There's no way. And I'm trying to wrap this back to Batman somehow. <laughs> Let me see if I can balance this properly. You know, and it's funny that Bruce Wayne is allowed all of these extra things that most superheroes cannot accomplish. Like you got you got guys out there who, um, you know, like Peter Parker, just he needs a day job. He's got to fit that in between his... Uh, superhero antics so it's easier to connect to Peter Parker where it's hard as hell to connect to Bruce Wayne but Scott Snyder did a really good job of taking this really broken emotionally person and uh, having you relate to him yeah well like, um we were talking about uh, Batman 89 I was listening to this podcast it's like well the Michael Keaton Batman it's not that he's it's not so much that his parents are like they got killed or whatever it's like this guy. He feels like he needs to get his hands dirty somehow. It's like it's not. It's like he grew up rich, but it's not the fact that his parents like were killed. It's like he needs to get his hands dirty somehow, and that's what Batman is. I always wondered why it is they're so rich. You think that a driver would have pulled up to the front of the theater when the movie was out to get him? Why did they go down the alley? I don't understand. That means they parked far away. I mean, clearly they didn't live anywhere near that, so they're not walking home. Why are they walking down the alley? 
yeah, it's weird. Well, maybe it's because, uh, hey, this, we can bring this back in the quarterhouse because, like, they talk about Thomas Wayne and all that. Yeah. But, but it also adds more to the mythology. This adds more to the mythology I think they have in decades is they dig into Dick Grayson's past. They dig into Bruce's yes. past. And it's this long story because the Court of Owls is something that started like 150 years ago. And they have these um, yes. eternal warriors called the, the Talons. And they're, yeah, they're the trained Talons. assassins. Yeah. You think there's one. And then it reveals, like, you know, this guy got his ass kicked. Let's just get rid of him. We got, like, 12 more or 50 more sitting in these little vaults. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's like, you know, in the quarter house, like, you know, they it's, like, it's this League of, League of Assassins, not the League of Shadows, but this League of Assassins. And they're like, you know, they are trying to restore order, but their type of order. You know, you know like, yo, we, like, you know, we have a certain order that God is not following. So, like, you know, and then there's certain philanthropists, like, you know, Wayne Wayne's parents, to where it's like, we need to get rid of them to restore our balance into the world. Sort of like the, sort of like the, the League of Shadows, but, like, their order is just straight, you know, you know, craziness, nonsense, anarchy almost. Yeah, well, uh, also the end of Kingsman. Um, Samuel Jackson's character has this idea of what he believes is going to save the world, his idea of planet justice. It's very strange when people who are in their own little bubbles um, can't relate to the rest of the world. So therefore, they have their own like line of thinking where, oh, this is the way it should be. This, this should be the law. They should do this. And it's kind of bizarre that uh, even Bruce Wayne has his way of thinking that I, sometimes I don't agree with. You know, um, I think Dick and... Um, uh, Tim Drake, you know, those are the guys who are more grounded, who have a firm grip on reality. Yeah. Well, see, part of that is because they had Bruce. It's like, somebody brought up this point earlier. It's like, you know, Bruce had his parents for a short amount of time, and, like, you know, they taught him what it means to be a good person. And then, as far as, like, Dick Grayson and Tim Drake, they had Bruce. And, like, even though their parents were killed or whatnot, but not Tim Drake, but, like, you know, Dick Grayson's parents were killed. It's like he had Bruce, who was the fatherly figure that told him right from wrong and stuff like that. Jason Todd, the uh, second robber in the Red Hood, is like we don't know what his family life was like before his parents were killed. So like, but like he had Bruce, but at the same time we don't know what his family life was like. So it's like this guy might have ended up on the wrong road anyway, even though he had Bruce to teach him all this stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, Jason Todd's story was told in uh, Death in the Family, the storyline where Joker killed him. What they do mention is yeah. that his real mother uh, abandoned him uh, and then went off to the Middle East. And his father was kind of a bum who was always getting into trouble. And I guess he got on the wrong side of Two-Face, and Two-Face killed him. That I mean, it's still mm -hmm. bare bones, it's, but that's what we know how he... I don't know how long he was an orphan, but well, he was like 10 or, or 11 when he was found by Batman. So who knows if it's, you know, how long it been. He could be years of this, like, separation where he's all by himself. Yeah. Well, he, like, Batman found him still in the, the tires off the Batmobile. Yeah. So obviously he was already going in the wrong so, direction. Yeah. Versus, uh, you know, Dick Grayson, who was in the circus and all that. And Tim Drake, who was like, yeah, I'm going to find out who Batman is. I'm going to do all this detective work, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, so, I mean, the first and third are pretty well-adjusted, whereas the second one was, he had no structure, and he was pretty lost, and filled with rage. Yeah. Or even, like, Carrie Kelly from uh, Dark Knight Returns. She was just like, 
yeah, this city is going to shit. So like, oh, Batman needs a Robin, so I'm gonna go ahead and be Robin. And she saves Batman from the the mutant leader killing him. So. Yeah, and then Damien, who appropriate name is uh, a monster. <laughs> is he dead? I, yeah. I feel like he died. He is dead. They're gonna bring him back anyway. Probably. He's dead. Yeah. Um, where were we at? Oh, okay, so yeah, they basically find out that Nightwing was always intended to be one of these warriors, these, the, the talents, yes. you know, so he's been groomed, his grandfather was part of it, and, uh, we get to the point where they've captured Batman, they put him in the labyrinth, which is one of the best sequences, you're watching him go insane, and Capullo's Same. artwork really brings out the, these visuals where you see the madness in Batman's face. Oh, yeah. Well, because being Batman is exhausting yeah. and crazy. And I liked the fact so, yeah. that they dived into his detective skills because he needed those in order to get out of that labyrinth. Oh, yeah. Can't punch your that's way my favorite type. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite type of Batman stories when he's a detective. It, the ninja it, stuff is good. Yeah. But like when he's, when he's the detective, that's my favorite type of Batman stuff. So we end Court of Owls with him escaping. They decide to uh, kill off or get rid of the one Talon um, and then unleash their entire army on Gotham City. I forgot there's one thing that was creepy as hell is when that little girl, they ask her what they want them to do with Batman. And she's like, beat him up some more. I'm like, that's messed Mark, up. Yeah. yeah, it is. I'm looking at this right now. And like, she got a weird look on her face, too. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, just, just kill him. Yeah. That's like some Texas Chainsaw Massacre shit, but with rich people. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so, sadly, I only oh, wrote a handful of notes with City of Owls, Owls because I got them backwards. I thought we were discussing court, and I forgot. Uh, City of Owls is basically the more action-packed arc. This is one where they're taking over the mansion, you know, and Batman's in this gigantic armor suit, which I'm still not, I don't know, like, I, why would he need this? Batman, it seems out of character for Batman to have that giant armor suit. Well, like, you know, he did the same thing when he fought Superman. So it's like, you know, this is, this is, these are foes that tights are not going, are not going to be the only thing that can handle this. It's like, you know, let me put on my full armor of God and call it a day. So. And, and he writes it with such a sense of urgency. I really was scared for, um, oh crap. Why, why am I drawing a blank? Uh, uh his butler. Butler. Ah. Alfred, Alfred. Alfred, I almost said Arthur, and I was like, wait, what am I doing? Um, Alfred, you know, I, I generally sense that he was in trouble, and of course Batman is like on the brink, but he's been on the brink so many times that you're not worried about it, but who says that one day they're not going to take out Alfred? Oh, yeah. Well, like, you know, that's that's the person that raised him in general, like compared to his parents. Like, that's the person that raised him, actually. Like, when his parents died, who did he have? Alfred. Yeah, it's just like, you know, that replacement father figure, and we, we've seen him for the entire run. Here's the weird thing is, the version we see in the comic and the cartoon has never been shown on film. It's like the actors are no. too insecure to look bald. What, what's up with that? Can't they have him look just like the character in the comic just once? Exactly. It's like, wait a minute. It's like you got Michael Goff, and then you got Michael Caine, and then you got uh, Jeremy Irons. That's an, that's an Alfred. Yeah. yeah. It's never... like nobody, nobody's, nobody's scared to wear bald. It's weird. <laughs> oh, no. 
just wear a bald cap, grow a little mustache, and you know, you'll, you'll be good. You'll actually, and it's weird because this is the age where you want them to look exactly like they do in the comics. It's not silly anymore. They don't yeah. have to go around in leather all the time like they did in X Men, uh, the original X Men. Mm-hmm. Well, like you know, they could have got um, shoot, they could have got Vin Diesel play Alfred, and it would have been fine. <laughs> what? <laughs> would you want to see Vin Diesel as Alfred? Batman, get your ass in that car and go shoot some motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> he always talks like he has two pieces of cotton up his nose. I live my life a Batman. quarter mile at a time. <laughs> it's like, that's the only that's the only bald white guy I can think of. <laughs> oh, there's a lot out there. They're just wearing wigs. Tell me that Nicolas Cage, get that fright wig off his head. Have him grow a little mustache. He already kind of did an homage to Adam West in Kick-Ass. Just have him play Alfred. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. So no, we not also- the bats. Not the bats. <laughs> um... I'm more of a Gotham keeper than a Gotham taker. Mm. I don't know why I always talk like I'm from the South when my father and grandfather and uncle are all from New York. <laughs> the uh, I love oh, Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze is never done right, um, in my opinion, outside of the animated series. And for yeah. once, I really well, like, think they locked in on who Mr. Freeze was in this storyline. Well, like, in the um, in the comics, in the, uh, the Gotham Central comic books, they do them actually pretty good in that one. Oh, okay. I have not read Gotham Central. Yeah, it's like it's not it's not the same as the Gotham TV show. But like Commissioner Gordon is not the central character in that. But like, like he's like the main ish villain in that in that in that comic book. Okay, that's I remember cool. I read that one. Yeah, I remember I read that on the plane coming back from North Carolina. It's like basically like he's in there and like they're trying to figure out. Who kidnapped this little girl or whatever? And then, like, Mr. Free, and then finally it's Mr. Free, and he freezes, like, the the second-in-command kind of detective in there, stuff like that. And it's like, this is the main detective. I forget his name. I got to read it again. This is the main detective. And then they freeze the second-in-command because, like, Mr. Freeze is like, uh, oh, you wouldn't believe that I would be in this apartment building causing all this shit. <laughs> Mr. Freeze is in the hood. Who who are the main characters? Because I know they took out two of the main. Uh, Christmas Allen became the Spectre, and Renee Montoya became the Question. And those are like the two characters yeah. you're always connected to. I guess all you have is like Harvey, Harvey Bullock. Yeah, it's not Harvey Bullock. Okay. It's, uh, it's another guy. It's a, it's a younger guy, and um, I forget his name. It's a younger guy. Commissioner Gordon is still the commissioner. It's not like in the Gotham TV series where he's like a younger guy and he's just like. Uh, uh, the sergeant or whatever to start out with, you know. Okay. It's like yeah, and ba- Batman is in it, but like he's not. He's more of the background, not in the main thing until they actually absolutely need him. You know what I mean? Which it's is like, good Gotham, because he can be exhausting. He's uh, I, when there's oversaturation of a really popular character like Wolverine was ten years ago, the way Deadpool is now. I'm actually yes. just sick of him. Batman has always been borderline, like almost too much. Yes. And like, and this is like, bat is like, no, we can solve crimes ourselves without Batman. It's only one of those like, okay, we're up against Mister Freeze. We don't know Mister Freeze like that. Batman knows him like that, so he can solve this case. But we're not gonna let him take the whole case. It's like we're gonna do what we need to do in order to rescue the people at this party. That's the spoiler. That's the that's the whole climax of the thing. Okay. And, but 
Batman's only needed when he's needed to take down Mr. Freeze because he knows how to do that. And I, sometimes I hate it when they shoehorn a popular villain in, like an A-lister like Mr. Freeze or the Joker. The Joker is not the Joker in this. You think he is. I don't want to ruin anything, but he's not the Joker you think. And this one, Mr. Freeze, no. they use his technology, the Court of Owls, they use his technology in order to uh, preserve the Talon Warriors. And so his story is integral. It's locked into the main story, but he also has a sub-story. So, it, you know, it gives you something to chew on if you're a big Mr. Freeze fan. It's like Austin Powers. They cry gently freeze. <laughs> the Court of Owls. Do you think Mr. Freeze, does he eat? Does he drink? I mean, how does he keep uh, from being dehydrated? I mean, uh, he's got to eat some way. Yeah. I don't know what the the formula did to transform his whole body like that, but like he's got a he's gonna have some type of nourishment. Yeah, I mean, maybe he has like a little straw. But if he does drink out of a straw, like for a smoothie, he can't be around anybody because you can't look tough while you're sucking on a straw. Trust me, you just like I want to kick everybody's ass who doesn't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> what was I saying again? <laughs> We quit. You're not tough. It's like uh, Damon Wayne Jr. had this joke. It's like, man, you can't look intimidating when you're sucking on the popsicle. <laughs> you can't look intimidating with a big stick in your mouth. It's like, what you looking at, homie? <laughs> oh, cuz. Brain freeze, cuz. <laughs> the, uh, the story ends with the big showdown uh, with another talent yes. warrior, and it's revealed, sort of revealed, Spoilers, everybody. Stop here if you have, or don't want to know. Um, that it's Bruce Wayne's brother, who who yeah. apparently died when he was very young. Uh, what, in utero? Yeah. Not in utero, yeah. but uh, right after birth, right? Yes, right after birth. Right after birth. Yeah. But, people didn't know that he had a, people didn't know he had a brother. So I was like, whoa. But, of course, he doesn't remember that because he was too young, and Bruce denies it. But there is that weird lingering. Is he the brother, or is these are these a bunch of lies that were fed to him and brainwashed, you know, by the court mm-hmm. of owls? Yeah, yeah, it's up for interpretation. It's like that's the thing about a lot of these Batman stories. They always go back and try to redo the origin and stuff like that. Like, yeah, he had a brother that was like that died after, like, you know, that was like you know in childbirth there was complications and stuff like that. Yeah, and that's why that's why like. That's why, like, when um, the Burt, when Joe Chill was shooting uh, Bruce Wayne's parents, they protected him, like, super, super hard protected him. Well, I remember they brought Joe Chill's son. God, what was the name of that villain? I can't yeah. remember. But he became part of the mythos, is that his son decided to get revenge on Batman. Oh, shit, what was mm-hmm. his... Do you remember his character's name? I can't remember all of a sudden. It was Tom something. Ah! But he became a villain. I, I gotta look this up, but it doesn't matter. I don't know why I'm even doing this. I'm cheating! I, my brain doesn't work anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, I turned 41 tomorrow. My brain left a decade ago. Mm. <laughs> um, Ethan King. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm getting off topic here. Oh. But um, what's interesting is, you know, the Batman stories never really get tired. They start to get to a point where you're like, oh, time to move on. And no, they revive it. They give it a whole new twist. And sometimes these twists can be terrible because I... And it's kind of like hive mind thinking, but the clone Spider-Man, you know, the Ben Riley storyline was a way of like re- oh, yeah. redoing things, and I hated it. And I know some people now have nostalgia for it. Well, see, everybody hates that particular storyline. Even to the point they made fun of it in the '90s Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah, it's like that was the last episode. It's like Ben Riley was explaining the whole thing to Peter Parker. He's like, 
Spielberg goes, this sounds like a bad comic book plot. Comic book fans like, eh, I know what that means. Oh, the clothes pocket. Well, they also you know, they tried to make Gwen Stacy the mother of two, uh, saying that she had an affair with the Jackal, which everybody was like, what? No. Yeah. What was the one that they did recently? Was it Captain America was always a uh, uh, part of Hydra? Yeah, he was, yeah. That sounds like bullshit. Did that turn out to be fake? Well, because uh, well, uh, they're trying to say, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. took over, like, like Hydra took over S.H.I.E.L.D. at that particular point when they, when they did when they gave Captain America his super soldier formula. Yeah, that sounds like bullshit, but I guess they're sticking to it. Um, yeah, I, I gotta catch up on it. I've been reading I've been reading the Falcon taking over as the new Captain America, and I gotta tell you, that's some of the best comic book writing I've read in years. It's amazing. And uh really? I I'm concerned I still haven't read that yet. I'm really concerned they're gonna cast him aside because um, you know, they always bring back it's what what they do with Green Arrow and they did it with Green Lantern and the Flash the old hero comes mm-hmm. back because the fanboys who are too nostalgic can't deal with the fact that Barry Allen's gone. And that there's a Wally West, who honestly is a better hero in my opinion. But nope, they got to throw him away. It's like, yeah, they always do that. I always like Wally West better than um, than Barry Allen. Yeah. So. Well, he was just a goody two-shoes. And the same thing for um, uh, Hal Jordan. I just never cared for Hal Jordan. He had no fear, and therefore I did not connect to him. But you had Kyle Rayner. Yeah. Who was severely flawed, and he he was really great. But how Jordan in the comments, he's always cocky, you know. So it's like, like what? Well, okay, there's no interesting thing about how Jordan like that. No. So, but you know, they tried to replace Even Batman just, a couple times too. You know, they replaced him with Azrael as like this metal Batman in the '90s, and that was terrible. Yeah, yeah. it was a that was a Nightfall, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. And Dick Grayson became Batman for a little while when he disappeared, and. Uh, Dick, if anybody's going to take over the mantle, obviously Dick is the one that was meant for it. Mm. Hey, future episode, we should do Battle of the Cow. Actually, sadly, someone already called it. <laughs> About two weeks ago, someone oh, else. Uh, but i got to find that storyline because that's uh, – I'm going to go get the omnibus, I think, because that is like a two-year storyline. Yeah, it is. But I have been reading oh. Chu, the other uh, comic that you suggested, but it's really like I, – I feel like we just discussed the first book. I'm not going to get very far because that's just setting the tone for the whole series. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I have uh, up to volume seven. Oh, wow. Like if, you, if, you're a comic, if you're a comic book person, you know, you collect all the trades, I'm up to volume seven, volume seven in that one. Hey, and uh... – uh, someone else suggested Saga, which um, if I just discussed the first book, I'm just—it's like a sliver. Have you ever read Saga? It's really crazy. No, I haven't. No, it, it's like one of these integral. If it was like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy on acid, but insanely filthy too. Nice. <laughs> All right, so I'm not sure what the next episode will be, but um, Cameron, do you have anything else you want to discuss before we go? Um, I'm an Ninja Turtle fan, so like, we could talk about the new ID IDW stuff. I have, you know, what's funny is I've never read a Ninja Turtles comic. I read technically I read one when he was, uh, it was Savage Dragon and the Ninja Turtles. It was like a crossover issue. That's the only time I've ever read it. I, I'm going to take that challenge right now. I want to find the new and I want to find the original. I want to know how the whole series started. You haven't read the original stuff? No, I haven't read it. I know I feel like an ass. <laughs> Just say that out loud. Oh man. <laughs> well, see so you, like you, you're living for Wayne, but like you know, man, dude, like I got all the stuff. Of Ninja Turtles, so it's like. Well, I could come dog. and read it. I'll be there in about four days. I have to <laughs> take a train. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, 
I got all the but like I got the original stuff and I got the let's see, this is my Christmas is bad. This is my Christmas tradition. It's like they have solo issues with each turtle and like Michelangelo has one where he's like it's like Christmas and like he's shopping for the perfect present for Splinter mm-hmm. and like he and like he um goes to his toy store and starts fucking around with his toy and it's like the last the, the hottest toy at the time is this uh little Christmas aliens thing. Then these bunch of thieves come in and try to steal it, and then Michelangelo stops them. Stops them. That's basically the whole comic. Nice. Uh, my favorite was always yeah. Donnie, but I, Mike, Mikey was always my second favorite. Which is ironic. You think with my name being Michael that I would choose Michelangelo, but no, I just love Donnie. Yeah, I'm a Donnie fan too. Like I have that one. It's like he goes to he's like he's with Kirby, which is a Jack Kirby reference for those of you who went to comic books. Jack Kirby reference. And he's like he goes into this alternate dimension where they have to fight all these monsters and stuff like that. Yeah, you know what's funny is gets, this is uh, almost might as well take away my nerd card, but not a fan of Jack Kirby's art. I just never cared for it. Yeah, teaches on, teaches on. All right, so this episode is brought to you by Zen Monster Media. Uh, check out all their retro stuff, comics, movies, books, and stuff like that. Uh, it's up on eBay and Amazon. And uh, Cameron, is there anything you want to share? You know, anything you want to promote before we go? This will be airing next week. All right. Uh, for those of you in Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne Comedy Club every Saturday night. I'm there from 9 p.m. to 11, and I'll be up there doing at least seven to eight minutes there. And Wrigley Field every Tuesday night. Out Zekin, shout out to my boy. He always has Tuesday nights at Wrigley Field. So come out to that if you're in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and or if you're in Indianapolis. There's a comedy festival coming up. Uh, uh, crap, I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a uh, April 12th, 13th, and 14th. The Mobby, Mary, and Joseph Festival in Fort Wayne, Indiana, if you're there or if you're traveling and you want to find something to do, the Mobby, Mary, and Joseph Comedy Festival is April 12th, 13th, 14th. There's a whole bunch of stuff like, you know, stuff for kids, stuff for adults, and like clean comedy, adult comedy, sketch comedy, and all that stuff like that, all the way in downtown Fort Wayne. So if you're interested, come to that, April 12th, 13th, 14th. All right, everybody, check us out on Facebook under Retro Rocket Entertainment. You'll find every episode there. And uh, send us send us any messages, what you think of the episodes, or any comic books that you think that we should discuss on the show. And Cameron, thank you again for another great episode. Yeah, you too. Thanks a lot. All right, everybody, have a good night. You too. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Next Planet Over. Sorry it's been a while since we did an episode. Things just get crazy around here. Uh, Ron will be here in just a little bit, but I want to just let you know that this is going to be kind of a mini-sode. We're just going to be revisiting two shows from our childhood, uh, just watching like the pilots and a couple other episodes of My Secret Identity and Out of This World. And uh, we'll be back in just a week or two with a Halloween-themed episode. I'm not sure what we'll pick, but I'm kind of going to be pushing towards the Friday the 13th or maybe Nightmare on Elm Street, the, was it Freddy? I can't remember the Freddy series. I want to say it's uh, Freddy's Nightmares. Um, maybe I should have checked before I said it out loud. Duh. Um, but here, it's some theme songs before we jump into conversation. This is better than my imagination. This is more than a dream come true. Without the slightest bit of hesitation, I knew what I was meant to do.
everybody. Uh, like I was saying, this is the next episode of... Nah, I can't talk. Uh, it's going to be more of a mini-sode. We'll discuss the two shows, but it's not going to be in-depth, like an hour-long conversation like we do with our normal shows. Unless it just gets out of hand. But um, Ron's on the other side. How's it going, Ron? It's going pretty good. Can't complain. Um, so, you know, this wasn't what we originally planned, uh, how the show was going to go. But just po- I think in the last episode we were discussing... Uh, out of this world i was like you know what i just revisited my secret identity and they always paired my secret identity and out of this world uh on in the syndication packages it just seemed like it'd be a fun time to revisit especially since it's now 30 years of out of this world that is insane right it's strange now i was not there in the beginning i did not know this after doing some research on out of this world is that it was on a season longer than My Secret Identity because it started as a filler package for NBC on Sunday nights. And then it came over to, for you and me, it was uh, Super 55 Fox. Um, and it would always be like Saturday or Sunday mornings. Right. With Steve Shine, Captain Leatherface. <laughs> Captain Le- what? Oh, you saw how Steve Shine, the guy who owned... Fox was also the guy who would do the news because I guess his ego wasn't big enough. Right, he, he was getting, very tanned. What yeah, the... but he kept getting weirder. Like He started off kind of tanned because I bet you he hated makeup. And then all of a sudden in the 90s, like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. You need to use some moisturizer. And by 2000, it's like his face was a, a coat. It was just a leather coat with eyeballs. <laughs> it's a great lawyer, though. A what? A great lawyer? Yeah. Is that how he got the money to buy the TV station? I did not know that. If I remember correctly, and I could be wrong on this, but I believe he was lawyer in my uncle's case for my cousin. It's custody of my cousin. Wow. I had no idea. Did yeah. he retire from law to run the TV station, or was he doing both? I don't know. This would have been after, because I was in high school, maybe wow. actually college, maybe. Or okay. I when, That's interesting. Uh, I won't name names, but anyway. Yeah. Okay, we're off topic here, but um, that's interesting to know. So, you know, during the 80s, uh, a lot of these TV stations, kids, if you're old enough, um, a lot of these TV stations were not affiliated with a network. You had the big three, you had PBS, and then you had like one or two stations just kind of floating in the ether, just doing their own things. This is before Fox really took off. This is before UPN and WB were even a thing. Uh, So these TV stations had to buy packages, either of reruns, or new programming. New programming was kind of a thing launched in the 70s. You know, the Muppet Show was syndicated. There's a few other shows that were popular at that time. But it wasn't until the 80s came around that, you know, they were specifically making programming for these independent stations. All right. So, you know, you and I were, you know, we got She's the Sheriff. Um, I remember, I think, yeah. the, the I want to say, uh, what was the Sheriff Lobo? I think that was syndicated. Um there's a bunch of the, and they, they would bring back TV shows. There was like the new WKRP, What's Happening Now, um, uh, Make Room for Granddaddy, you know, those kind of shows. Uh, we would get, uh, what's the one, um, Too Close for Comfort, you know, the one with Ted Knight? Um, yes. What was, what was the guy? Yeah, Jim J. Bullock played his character. It was like, oh yeah, Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> I said, man, I, man, that's so long ago. I've slept since then. <laughs> Now, the 90s was ruled by TV shows like Hercules and Xena and, and lots of big budget, well, for them, big Hercules. budget yeah, sci-fi and fantasy shows. But in the 80s, it was all about the sitcom. 
And right. the half-hour format was definitely easy for a independent station just to throw it wherever they needed it. Um, but Sundays was always dedicated for us, was dedicated to My Secret Identity and Out of This World for years. And, and Charles in Charge, let's not forget Charles in Charge, was on forever. <laughs> Charles in Charge, you know, nice little segue there. You know that Scott Bio actually, was it produced or directed? I can't remember what she did. Directed, directed. He directed a few episodes of out of out of this world. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's, episodes to be uh, precise. Yeah, it's probably the same company as what I'm guessing. Um, yeah. So all in the family. Yeah, the uh, my secret identity was a Canadian TV show that was sold to American syndication, and um, it was also funded by what was it? What was that? A scholastic, so definitely geared towards family. So it's a superhero show, right. but it's different than the kind that you watch now, where the stories are really deep and every episode kind of links to the next episode, and there's really heavy themes. This is lighter. This is just for kids to kind of understand the fantastic world of the imagination and doing good deeds and stuff like that. The only time that I ever saw it get dark was when uh, Jerry O'Connell's character went to a video store and he discovered that they were running a drug smuggling thing out of there. Like, someone rent a videotape, but inside the tape was cocaine. Like, little packets of cocaine. And he busted them. That's like, whoa, that's kind of heavy for a kid's show. Right? I am expecting Crockett and Tubbs to come around the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Pulling up in their Ferrari with a little bit of 80s synth music going on. Anyway. (laughs) Um, Jerry O'Connell will never live down the fact that he was the chubby kid in Stand By Me. And um, right? I didn't know for years that he was the same kid because he changed so much in just, the, what, a year and a half? Yeah. I was just talking about that today with my neighbor. It's insane. Did I tell you that I Ooh. went to the filming location of Stand By Me last week? Last week? Yeah. No. Yeah, Brownsville, Oregon is not far from us. It's only 45 minutes away. And uh, we went there, and I kid you not, it's just one street. Basically one street, and then the rest is all neighborhoods. It's idyllic. It's the kind of place where you would retire and where I would just get bored out of my mind and go crazy. I'd be that one guy wandering the sheets. <laughs> Put your phone on your head. They're going to read your mind. <laughs> Don't forget your foil hat. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a nice little town, but man, there's nothing there. But it makes sense that they would film it because the way the town is designed... It's uh, easy to film because everything has like kind of a cutoff. You know when you see uh, TV shows filmed, definitely during the 80s, every road seems to be cut off by um, another building. You don't see the road continue, so there's through traffic. That's fine. Yeah, so that's how it goes. I have to say... What's that? I have to say right now, I, I'm looking at a website, looking up information, and all I see is this whole background for the evil within to... <laughs> <laughs> And it's got this creepy vein eye. It just keeps staring me off the side of the border here. It's, it's, sorry, it's a little bit. <laughs> Whoa. But going to Jack to Jerry O'Connell, I'm a, I didn't know who he was. And I watched that show religiously um, until Sliders. And once I started watching Sliders, even then I didn't reckon I didn't put two and two together. Well, he changed so much. Yeah. He... he um... right. He looks kind of the way he does now by the time, like, season two and three of My Secret Identity pops up. But um, that first season, he's just like, he still kind of has a chubby face. But I remember seeing him in something called Camp Wilder, which was an ABC TGIF TV show that I think only lasted one season. And, uh, but the Sliders was definitely my thing. I, I love that show. I never got to watch the final season, but I have 
the set. You can get it cheap. Um, so I'm gonna finally finish that show. I'm gonna have to borrow that. <laughs> oh, seriously, it's uh, and Mill Creek did a. And now the packaging isn't the greatest, but they have the complete series for like twenty bucks. Oh, I might just buy it then. Yeah, I was watching it on Hulu. Little by little, along with every other show, I was trying to catch up on, and I never finished it before we dropped Hulu. Yeah. Well, half the time the networks drop the shows anyway. You're like, ah, all right. Right. Well, I don't know if it's still on Hulu or not, but we dropped Hulu. Yeah. We went strictly Netflix. Anyway, um, was the uh, the doctor in that? Where have I seen him before? That's Doctor Jeff Coat. Now I know him from one of the very first episodes of Cheers. Um, he was kind of one of those characters that would reoccur with uh, uh, his relationship with Diane. Um, but I've only got through season, I think the very beginning of season two. So I don't know if yeah. his character reoccurs a lot. I also know him from, uh, this is going to seem insane, but do you remember a movie called Freaked? Yes. Do you remember the giant... I squ- love that movie. He's like the little worm guy with the glasses and the British accent. He's in that oh. makeup. <laughs> okay, oh. That's funny. Freaked. Worm. That's his credit. Worm. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, he's, Andy Schroeder. Do not. He's from done Cheers. A, his new character is Andy Schroeder. Says he's done a lot of animation, but I got to tell you, I've never seen any of these cartoons. I've never even heard of most of these cartoons. Uh, no. And first, Voyager. <laughs> he's done a couple episodes of Voyager, but. Huh. Well, I'm talking to. Because I remember him from back then in the day, and it must be. Maybe it is Cheers I remember him from. It's got to be. Yeah, it's okay. funny. There, uh, his hero, his alter ego was Ultraman, which I'm pretty sure there's another Ultraman in some comic universe. Right? Ultraman. I thought it was funny. Oh, no, I'm being dumb. Ultraman, the giant robot that kicks uh, uh, Godzilla's butt, or, you know, those giant kaiju. <laughs> Ultraman. How did I not remember yeah, it's a, Ultraman's a really generic name, I think. It's, yeah. Well, I so, thought it was funny. It was hilarious that he has all these superpowers. And he can't actually fly. He can only float. Yeah, it's like with the aerosol cans. Um, it's like you expect him to take off flying quickly. You're like, well, it's a good thing you're bulletproof, buddy, because you're not going anywhere quick. <laughs> you know, it's funny how he got his powers, too. It's just like a radiation blast. In the normal world, your hair would fall out. You'd be puking. If you survived, you would never be the same again. And yet in comic books well, and, and TV shows, they're always getting these ridiculous powers. Like, no, no, stop it. But it's gamma rays, you know. Yeah, gamma rays. yeah okay. Well, then why didn't it turn him into the Hulk? The rage virus. Ah, ah. Well, you know, everybody's chromosomes are made up a little different. You know, anyway. My secret identity kind of feels a little bit like Greatest American Hero if he finally got a handle on his powers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish, now, I don't know how far into it you've watched, but I did not see the end of the series on this next go round, So I, I can't remember how... No, I didn't finish either. This was kind of like a... This is more of a taste tester. The show... The point of the show actually is um, kind of in the air. Sometimes I've seen the entire series. I know it by heart. Like I did the Buffy one with Midi. I know that so very well. Um, And and we share this show with another podcast called Above the Airwaves. And they do usually just the pilot episode of a TV series and discuss its future or why it was canceled. I, I still haven't found where I want to go with this. I don't have a whole lot of time. So sometimes I just pick episodes here and there to sample um i did get to the final season of my secret identity where he's much older of course and now he's driving and he has a best friend who's always getting him into trouble and i feel like the special effects are toned down in the last season as if they were running out of money 
Um, but it's still fun, and there's a lot of good messages to learn from it. And, I, and the new theme song is pretty rocking. It's not that synth 80s kind of, you know, uh, you know how 80s songs always seem like they're made by one guy. And it's always the guy who wrote, like, the Perfect Strangers theme song and Full House. They're always the same. Uh, but the 90s were also like, Well, 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 my secret identity. Woo! <laughs> it's like every John Williams movie. Like, <laughs> or like, Danny Am Alton. I listening to Star Wars? Is it Indiana Jones? Is it... Anyway. Um, yeah, I... T- there's one... Oh, shoot. What was I going to say? Uh, there was one episode on uh, Out of This World where they had actually changed up I thought that was kind of funny. It was in the first season. It's like, episode, actually, I got it here. It's episode six of season one where they changed the theme song. Oh, like yeah. The style of the theme song. Well, not just and the theme song, but the whole intro one, is different. Right. And they, they did it for just that one episode. Like they were trying, testing the waters or something. And yeah. I didn't like it. But. <laughs> you know, I wonder. I Okay, so I've seen the first episode. Of course, I watched it back then, too. And I, I should check it out because I'm wondering... If when they relaunched it for syndication, if they did one of those episodes like previously on or kind of give you a general idea as a warm up for the new audience because it had played a whole season earlier, but on NBC. So I'm, I'm curious as if it's uh, if they rebooted it for the second season. I don't know. I'm looking Where's at there's there's an actor here. Buzz Belmondo. Do you remember him? Did you get to any episodes with him? He was the Puerto Rican guy or whatever he, wherever he's from. That guy with the real thin pencil mustache. The creepy yeah. man. He was a thing for a little bit. I remember him doing commercials. Really? Yeah. Uh, he Buzz is... Buzz Bermondo. Buzz um, But he was my favorite character because he was so unbelievably strange. Holy crap, he still has the same mustache. What? What? He does? Yes, and he's really thin, and he has a new TV show called Elf and Filipino called Law and Disorder. It's on Funny or Die. No, I don't understand. What? Oh, my goodness, he does. <laughs> oh, no. I was trying to find some he's of his old commercials. Let's see if I have this. Doritos. I think yeah. he did do Doritos commercials. Let me see if I can find it here. This is Biz Bibando. Buzz Belmondo, take 412. Repeat those. Doritos. <laughs> Action. What? Doritos. Hey, I'm all out of Doritos again. I could eat Doritos, uh, Doritos, Doritos. Yeah. Did I say more? Doritos. Devolved. Gold. What? What? What the hell was oh that? Goodness. I was like, cut out. <laughs> I thought we screwed up a Doritos commercial. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. What was about the, uh, the handyman? What was the handyman's name? <sighs> Hank? Or was it Hank? Okay, so here's the thing is, I'm going a lot on memory. Uh, the very first episode, they don't introduce a whole lot. I think it's funny that it was shot in Carmel. Even though the house you see them in, in the first episode, is on the coast of Pacific Grove, a few miles down the road. We used to live, actually, not too far from that house. Right. Really? Yeah. So that house is still there, then? Oh, yeah. I'd say, I, I, I'd love to live in that house. Christopher, what is it to say? I was going on the, uh, you know the painter. The guy that was always painting rooms, doing handyman stuff in their house. Well, uh, and never actually finishing. Yeah, yeah, that does not surprise me. He's in the later seasons, right? Well, he was in the first season. Is he? I don't okay. know what he's in. If he's in the later ones or not. Okay. But well, I, know cat, I watched the, the last. Yeah, the cast changed dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I asked was he did. Um, 
he did like a Ronald Reagan impression and like three or four other others that I, in the episodes I watched, and they were like spot on. I was like, this guy has to have been that had to have been his thing. Yeah. And but um, I can't place him. Does it creep you out at all that Ronald Reagan was constantly going, "Well, mommy, stop calling your wife mommy. That's messed up. Don't do that. You ha- you have sex with her. You call her mommy? No." <laughs> I'd rather not take that. Yeah, that's messed up. That's messed up. I, I hear people do that. Like, well, mother. I'm like, no, she's your wife. Stop it. <laughs> that must be a 50s thing. Maybe. Let's see. Father of the Bride, the last boy's gift. Frank Kopik? It's not him, is it? Uh, anyway, um, the other character was on there. Was, like, um, was it Steve Burton? And he, uh, like a big general hospital fan. Yeah. Well, I know him from Taken. I'm almost certain he was in Taken. The the not the Liam Neeson but the sci-fi miniseries, right? Yep, Captain okay. Russell Keys. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I forgot all about that one. That's a good. That's a good series. The guy who did forty four hundred, I think, was responsible for. Okay, let's go through the cast real quick. Uh, Maureen Flanagan, of course, the crush, right next to uh, Alyssa Milano on our list as thirteen year old boys. <laughs> <laughs> what? I think she's, you know, in my case, she was a close second. But anyway, yes. um, <laughs> what threw my off is that Burt Reynolds. I didn't know it. I did not know it at all during the show's run, who it was. And of course, now you listen going, oh, well, that's Burt Reynolds. How did I not know that? I know that voice. <laughs> right. And I'm thinking, no, that can't be him. So I had to look it up. Anyway. If he had only done the Burt Reynolds laugh. Then we would have known. <laughs> I don't know how he does it, but you know in Cannonball Run where he's constantly laughing? He did like a shortened version of that laugh, a really close version of that laugh in one of them. That's, that's when I knew it. That's when it clinched it for me. But <sighs> Somebody actually made a 10-hour clip on YouTube of Burt Reynolds laughing. That's messed up. <laughs> yes! Send me that link. Well. <laughs> I love that. Laugh. See, I could listen. I could listen to him and Don DeLuise laughing all day. <laughs> Seriously, ten hours. Who would do this? Oh my goodness! Seriously. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be able to do that laugh dead on. Not, yeah. Of course, Doug McClure's in it, and um, you know he was kind of a dramatic actor growing, you know, uh, going through the '60s and '70s, making those. I say they're fun. I know they're cheesy and they're low budget and relevant to what you see today. But land before no, no, no I'm sorry. The, the the land that time forgot and the people that time forgot with him and Peter Cushing are a hoot. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they're a lot of fun. I have, I have, and I just now realize how old he was. Holy crap! Yeah, well, I think he's how gone. How old was he in the show? I mean, huh? I'm pretty sure he's gone. I think he died a decade ago. He is. He he died when we graduated. Year we graduated. Oh, he here. was probably about uh, fifty when the show started. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that. Uh, uh, oh shoot! What was the movie you just said? <laughs> the people at time yeah, forgot. Yeah. Land at time forgot. Yeah, Land Time Forgot. I remember that one pretty good. Now, Donna Pescow plays her mother, who I, I really enjoy. She was on a TV show years before this called Angie. 
um, from Gary Marshall. It was one of his only shows at that time that was not connected to Happy Days. Um, but her and Robert Hayes are a lot of fun in that show. And it, it, she doesn't get to do, I think, what she's best at in this. I think she's more of a reactionary uh, comedian instead of being the one who initiates the joke. But it, it's still a right. good role for her. Saturday Night Fever. Boy, that movie is depressing as hell. I had no idea. Isn't I, it? I thought it was going to be such a fun dance movie, and then you watch about three quarters of the way through, and it starts to change, and then it gets, oh my god, and then, no, oh my, whoa, who? But all that music, man. Shut up, man. <laughs> How deep is your love? How do you get to that high? How deep is your love? How pain? <laughs> well, he did wear tight, tight leather pants. I'm, I'm just saying. I almost went to this piggy voice there. Hi-ya! <laughs> People hear her sing. Miss Piggy sings Saturday Night Fever. Stay alive! Joe Alasky sadly passed away uh, last year. Um, he was the uncle, Mino. And what I know yeah. him most from, and I think a lot of people know him from, is his voice work. He took over a lot of Mel Blanc's roles uh, for Tiny Toon Adventures and just kind of kept going yeah. through doing those, the voice work instead of, uh, um, you know, in front of the camera. Casper. Awesome. Doc Dodgers. It was just, what? Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. We can pause for a second. Take it in. Take it in. Soak up the rays. Take it in. <sighs> now... You were the one that could do it. Go ahead. Uh, you know what's funny? is There was a trend of TV shows around this time where there was something magical or fantastical that they had to hide from neighbors and friends. Uh, you remember, what's that crappy show with the robot? The little girl that was a robot. Uh, Small Wonder. Uh, Small Wonder. Yeah. There was Alf. I love that show. Yeah, Alf and this. And I feel like there was one where there was a, a, a maid that was a witch or something like that. It feels like it was kind of a thing that was going on at that time. Like... Kind of a, a revival of the I Dream of Genie Bewitched universe where they always had to hide this. Oh, it's a talking horse. Oh, my car is alive. You know, those kind of things. What's up? My, oh, shoot. My son. Something, never mind. Go ahead. Something, my, my son, the robot. Something like, I <laughs> What? <laughs> my son, oh, the, the psychopath. Robot wore tennis shoes or. Uh, oh, no, I know what you're talking about. Was it with, with Alan Thicke? The, the movies where they build yes. a, a robot? What is that called? Not Quite Human. Not quite human. I mean, that didn't sound right. But yeah, that, could, that could be. I think that might be what I'm thinking of, though. Anyway. But those, yeah, it's, it's, it was a hot thing around this time. But um, I always thought it was funny, like, uh, you know, the best friend who was completely aloof. I'm like, come on, how well do you know your friend? Like the next door neighbors who are like, I think I saw a short guy with a huge nose chasing after a cat. No, you didn't see. You, stop it. It was an alien. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, this I'm. Sorry, I'm still looking at Alaski's list of... It's a lot man, of stuff. He stayed busy. He stayed busy. That's awesome. Uh, Christina Negra played her best friend, and she did a handful of movies around this time, then kind of retired. Um, a lot of people know her from Twilight Zone, the movie. She's a little girl who was like uh, pestering John Lithgow's character, and uh, it was kind of unnerved. I know her from Cloak and Dagger. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, but she's great in that movie. I love Cloak and Dagger. Yes, horribly underrated. There are some video game movies around that time that weren't actually based on any video games that had already been out, like Tron, Cloak and Dagger, The Wizard. Um, do you remember Nightmares, where Emilio Estevez takes on the video game, The Battle of Bishop? Oh, 
don't think I've seen that one. How could oh, I not? Holy crap. Emilio! <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to have to... What's that called again? Nightmares? I'm going to write that down. Yeah, it's called Nightmares. Uh, it's, it's four short stories. It's one of those anthology movies like Creepshow. Um, right. I would say the three of them are okay. Uh, they're not fantastic. But the one with Emilio Estevez... Um, he plays this video game that finds a way to come into our world. And the, fanta- the, the special effects at the time were like really early digital. Um, you know, it looks like they're out of Last Starfighter, that kind of thing, or whatever. And it's a lot of fun. But of course, I watch I anything that. with Emilio Estevez. Emilio. Emilio! Emilio. <laughs> Am I finding it? Oh, there it is. Okay, I'm going to check that out later. So after watching this show, did you find yourself wanting to put your fingers together and stop time whenever things were getting kind of heady? Oh yeah, always. Who doesn't? Yeah, many, many times you would catch me and my sister just kind of sitting by ourselves going, come on, come on, come on, work. Dang. Concentrate. Concentrate. Every once in a while, I'll pull that joke on somebody and they know exactly what I'm doing. I'll put my fingers together and then slap them back and they're like, oh, I watched that show. What's that called? And I'm like, yeah, you know, that's awesome. You've got the right people in here hanging around because everybody I tried to tell about it when I was telling them I was prepping for this, yeah, they're like I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. Well, the thing is, I couldn't remember the name of the show either, so that didn't help me. I, I knew I, it. I, oh my god. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you know how the credits changed a little bit in the and they started showing the spaceships and the world that her father was on. I didn't realize those were special effects taken from Buck Rogers. Now, I thought they were from Battlestar Galactica, yes. so I kind of had an idea, but Buck Rogers is uh, it's the same producer. A lot of those special effects were reused, but that makes a lot of sense now. I've actually seen special effects from Buck Rogers and uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica in other things. So I wonder if Universal just said, hey, let's sell this crap off. We need to make our money back. <laughs> I don't see why not. You own it. You, want it. you know, you didn't make a profit off of it. Hey, why not? Right. Might as well use it. Otherwise, just gathering dust. Yeah, you know, I didn't watch the final episode of My Secret Identity, and I get the feeling that it didn't really have an ending. Um, But Out of This World kind of promised an ending, and it left you hanging. You technically, you you saw the father in a way. But was Burt Reynolds really that busy? Really? I kind of think 1991 was kind of a bad year for... uh, Burt Reynolds, and I know he was broke as hell, so he couldn't have shown up for one episode. He did voice work for the entire series. Right. Just showed up for one episode, maybe an extended two-parter or something like that, and then yeah. then end it. Yeah. Chris, I honestly, I have to be honest here, I don't remember it ending that way, so it did, didn't have the same effect on me like it would if it happened today. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of bummed. Anyway. Yeah. But it's interesting. Uh, this is when his career was falling apart, and I bet you when they offered him to do is oh of course yeah i'll I'll, you know they probably paid him ten thousand dollars an episode it probably took him 20 minutes to do his part just went to a a studio and read off the script that was it done i'm gonna tell you i watched the very last episode and the very last few minutes of it were should i spoil it for anybody no no just in case this is something that'll entice people to watch it okay so we'll just we'll just say that the the dialogue was rushed at the end oh yeah totally sounded like they were piecing it all together it also sounded like someone was like, we're going to cancel the show. What? Shit. Hurry. <laughs> right. <laughs> Get it all in now while we can. Um, and I also wonder if that's how he got Doug McClure in the show. Or maybe Doug McClure went to Burt Reynolds and said, hey, they got this offer here. Because, you know, they were buddies from Cannonball Run and other stuff from the 70s. 
Um, I imagine the way that, you know, Doug McClure, what was the show that he was on? The Western with Lee Majors back in the 60s. I was just going to. I was just going to ask you, wasn't he even in Western, but I was going to ask you the same question. Um, hey, we have a computer. What am I doing? I'm an idiot. Um, but, you know, that's back when Burt Reynolds was doing a Western, and he was uh, doing stunt work. I bet you Doug McClure was doing the same thing. He's in The Virginian. The Vir- you think, uh, well, no, I think he was in a different show. Not just The Virginian. I thought it was something else. Uh, with Lee Majors. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
I said there was one episode where they said, I always feel like they're, li- they, I know they're frozen, but I always feel like they're listening to me and they move off over to the staircase. Uh-huh. I wonder if that's why. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, like, especially the first episode, it goes forever. And these people are like seeing stuff for like 20 minutes, like, I got a fart, please. I get my nose itch, it's so bad. I can't take it. I quit. I quit the show. <laughs> okay, we're actually All done right. now. Sorry, we're dicking around. See ya. We're signing off. See ya. Hey, how you doing there, kid? I'm doing great. Grand. Fantastic, I tell you. How about you, Michael? Hey, I don't know. Oh, oh, ah. You know, I I, I thought about doing uh, Roddy Dangerfield, and I just realized I failed horribly. Do you remember uh, the very first podcast, or one of the very first podcasts we ever did? We did Caddyshack, a a running commentary track of it. Yes, we did. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And every time... What? And I was like, and I was like, I was like, wait, shh, I want to hear this part from Ronnie Dangerfield. It gets, it kills me every time. <laughs> but we find ourselves like towards the last half of the movie, like nothing else to say. We like we went through every actor, every detail, and we just spent the last half hour going, "Oh, I got nothing else for this episode." Oh man, oh. Hey, hey, I'm, I may not be saying anything, but I'm still entertaining. Damn it. <laughs> the, uh, uh, the, the love that I have for Rodney Dangerfield is actually only in two things. Back to School, which we did we discussed last year, and Caddyshack. After that, it gets kind of sketchy. Why is it that he did so few movies? Because it's like huge gaps between each one. I, I find it a little hard to say as to why. I don't know, maybe he felt like he wasn't right for movies, you know. Especially um, when you talk about how, when he was doing Caddyshack, it didn't feel like the jokes or the comedy was funny, and he thought nobody was laughing. He, I guess he feels like he does need to hear the laugh. In order, you know, to know that he's doing a good job. Yeah, maybe but it's a uh, focus again, on stamp because he did tons of specials. Oh yeah, he did. My God, uh, I think one in particular where he's like, of course, usual suit and tie. This is his main joke, you know. It's like, hey, ask my dad. Hey, dad, I want to play a game. He's like, yeah, I got a game for you. It's kill. It's called play hide and go fuck yourself. Like, get no respect. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. The uh, yeah, so you got you got Caddyshack in eighty, then you got Easy Money in eighty three, which is terrible. Uh, Back to School, which was his, you know, big showcase, his most successful film. And then it's six years, no, I'm sorry, five years until he pops up in Rover Dangerfield, which is our first movie we're going to discuss. Uh, one that you dis- you, you uh, said we should do this a couple years ago, and it just for some reason never got around to it. And I remember it coming out, but I don't remember this actually being in theaters. Do you recall if this ever played in the theaters? Were you too young? You were too young. Um, I don't think it ever did, no. I think it was just uh, straight to video and later on uh, HBO Family. Yeah, I looked this up on Wikipedia. I, mean, I can't find any box office history at all. And uh, it says a release date, you know, like August in 1991. But if it was released, it was real quick and gone. Damn. Oh, gosh, it must have been shit. It must have been bad then. So, you know, Rover Dangerfield, uh, if anybody knows... What happened with the release of this film, if it was in theaters or barely released or went straight to video, let us know, because I'm at a loss on this one. Uh, Rover Dangerfield, of course, is 
uh, kind of filler. It seems like it was, uh, oh, I haven't been on the big screen in a while. Let's get some project going. You know, he did this with Harold Ramis again. And then the next year, I believe, is when he did Ladybugs, which everybody loves. But it isn't really in his wheelhouse. You know, it's too kid-friendly. Yeah, no, that was a little different. And it also had the uh, kid from uh, NeverEnding Story 2 who played Sebastian. I can't remember his name. Jonathan Brandis, who I know from Sequest. I tried to watch NeverEnding Story. I did, I finished it, but I didn't I didn't give a shit. I think I'm way too old. I think I need to experience it as a child. Okay, that means we have to go time travel and <laughs> <see> you. <laughs> Oh, okay. No, there's another one. Well, as long as... Dark Crystal. I've never watched it. <clears throat> I'm horrified and shocked. I, I was without speech for, like, at least 2.5 seconds. Well, I mean... You have to watch it, Michael. I mean... It's... Uh, I love sword and sorcery, but I have something uh, with fantasy that it's really hard for me to get into. We watched Labyrinth last year, which is fantasy, which I now, as an adult, enjoy a great deal. Uh, never any story David is Bowie. one that I was frustrated with, and Dark Crystal. Even as a child, I was thrown off by it. it's really strange puppetry. And I'm going to try to watch it. We're going to do a whole episode about like puppeteering, you know, all the Muppets movies and and, and Dark Crystal and whatnot, and Team America, Sesame Street. Well, it's, it, that's puppetry. It's just marionette <laughs> puppetry. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Uh, oh yeah, no. So it's a uh, Team America. That's true. Yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, Robert Dangerfield, it's not a good movie, but it's not a terrible movie. I was reading reviews of this when it first started up, and some people were saying it's an abysmal piece of trash, worst animated movie ever made. I'm going to say that the musical number about peeing on a Christmas tree was a low point. The rest of the movie was fine. I had no real problems with it. Yeah, it was definitely, I think, a way of getting kids to, you know, learn about uh, Rodney Dangerfield, you know? get that starting point there which is kind of what it was for me that was the starting point for me and then you know eventually seeing ladybugs and then seeing um oh gosh that one movie about him where he's a uh he's, he's pretending he's in a wheelchair and he's like this uh tv personality oh like, wally sparks meet wally sparks that's what it is yes there was and then of course TV going in tv pilot where it was supposed to be rodney dangerfield when he was a kid huh so it'd be like based off of his stand-up I bet a little bit, kind of like with what they did with um, uh, everybody hates Chris. Kinda yeah, like something Chris like Rock, that. Uh, Chris Rock's show. But hmm. um, so this is from Hyperion Entertainment, which is a uh, the company that surprisingly is still in business, and I had never heard of them before. But you know, we were mentioning it because they also did our next movie, Baby's Kids, but they also did the cartoon Itsy Bitsy Spiders. Um, did you watch Itsy Bitsy? Did Little Richard sing that theme song? What's that? <laughs> Did Little Richard write that theme song? Did, did he? <laughs> I didn't. Did he? Are you joking? Or are you I'm sure are he you sang asking? it. Oh, I'm just asking. I mean, just... Because I know say, he did a... Does he say I know he up? did a rendition of Little Itsy Bitsy Spider. Itsy Bitsy... Shut up! <laughs> spider, shut up! <laughs> I'm looking at this. Okay, so this is what uh, Hyperion has done. Um, Nutcracker, the motion picture, which is a live-action film. The Runestone, which is a live-action film. Are these all live-action films? They are. Okay, hold on. Let me go down to the Amazing Story stuff. They did... Uh, the, have you watched? ever seen the TV show from Spielberg called The Amazing Stories? Ah, I can't... Hold on. Let me, I'll have to look it up. This is absolutely sounds familiar. required entertainment by anybody who loves 80s movies. Imagine all of these great 80s movies combined into one series, and now they're shortened down to a half hour so you don't have to tolerate any bullshit. It's just hit it, go home. Okay, uh, is it, 
Wait a second, Amazing Stories. Yeah, it's an anthology series. This looks awfully familiar. Yeah, it's it's basically, most of them are fantasy and, and kind of like sci-fi bent. But there's some scary ones in there. But there is one episode in particular that was the most famous episode. It's called The Family Dog. It was created by Tim Burton and Brad Bird. And it was so popular in, That's in, why. in when it first aired and then in syndication. And then when he got some power from Batman, Tim Burton got CBS to pick up The Family Dog for, I think, uh, 13 episodes, and that was it. It's nowhere nearly as good as the episode in Amazing Stories, but Hyperion Entertainment, they did uh, the animation for that. Oh, wow. See, I'm looking up some of the stuff on Amazing Stories. I'm like, shit, how did I, how can I have not watched this? Family Dog does look awfully familiar. And you just mentioned, yeah, it looks like something Tim Burton would do, and it is. Holy shit. I'll have to look this up. God yeah. Yeah, How did I miss out on this? It was on Netflix for a long time. It's Okay, so season one, almost every single episode is phenomenal. Uh, season two, not so much. I would say it's a 50-50 shot between kind of a dull episode and a great episode. It only lasted two seasons. It was very expensive because they got movie stars in it. You got high-level directors. You got really great special effects in it. And uh, it, just, it just couldn't last. And this is a time period when anthology shows were usually dirt cheap junk. Damn. Again, I'll have to look it up. Uh, Hyperion Entertainment. Son of a bitch. Uh, so the other stuff they did was The Brave Little Toaster, Rover Dangerfield, Baby's Kids, and then they did uh, the Itsy Bitsy Spider TV show, and Life with Louie. And the other, other stuff I've never heard oh, of. Oh, yeah. I remember Life with Louie, about um, Louie Anderson. And uh, his, there was one episode in particular where his dad was, like, you know, taking care of this uh, beehive in front of his house to protect it. And then Louie ends up taking the queen. And the dad ends up like talking to the fu- actually talking to the fucking beast. <laughs> I always just hated I, yeah, I hate Louis Anderson's voice. <laughs> like all whiny and nasally, and it's like, oh no, stop it. Oh, especially when he like, uh, oh no, when he does the voice of, his, of himself as a kid, he's all like kind of like a little bit more deeper and like grunt sounding. <laughs> I have never but, seen uh, Life with Louis. Pre- We're going to discuss Life with Louis later. Because we're going to be doing uh, uh, Bodies World, and uh, and we'll discuss that and Life with Louis later down the road. Yes, good Bobby's World, something we def I definitely want to talk about. Uh, Howie Mandel was just you know king for a little while with that, and of course Little Monsters. Holy crap! I'm looking at this. Right anyway, here. yeah. Uh, originally conceived in the late '80s, the film was planned for a December 1988 release. It was originally planned as an R-rated animated film. Uh, more akin to Ralph Bakshi style, but Warner Brothers wanted the film's content to be toned down to a G rating. Cartoonist Jeff Smith, best known as the creator of the self-published comic book series Bones, greatest comic book of all time, described working on key hmm. frames of the film's animation. Wow, I didn't know that Jeff Smith started off in animation. Have you ever read Bone? No. You ever heard? Sorry, I can't. I'm, I'm terribly sorry. Okay. Uh, Bone. Mm, no. Bone is essentially like if you were to take a Sunday comic. Like, uh, you know, Snoopy or, um, oh, there's a, there's a stupid little briar, ah, oh, damn, I can't remember the name of the character. Uh, it's like a little turtle. Um. Oh, I'm looking at it right now. Oh, shit, this does look hell familiar. I've seen stuff like this. But basically taking a Sunday comic style, like a look, the cartoony look, but giving a Lord of the Rings storyline. So it's 70 issues, I think. Uh, I bought the Omnibus, and I gave myself carpal tunnel from carrying the damn thing. But um, 
<laughs> the first 30 issues are kind of like laid back and chill and it slowly builds up a story. You know, there's a villain, but he's so low level. But then it builds into this like Sauron, you know, uh, uh, you know, taking it to, uh, what's the fucking mountain to take it to again? Which one? You know, oh, uh, Mount Doom. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, uh, it, it feels like that. Like there's one big, huge, epic life and death. It's an amazing comic book. And, uh, it, it is the single greatest thing I've ever read. Wow. That, uh, I'll have to look into that. I'm looking at something right now. God, it looks so familiar. And knowing that it has like a little Lord of the Rings um, touch to it, I'm most likely going to have to read it because I yeah. fucking love Lord of the Rings. Uh, the book is very heavy, very <laughs> expensive. So just get go to your library and pick up the series because it's a lot easier to consume in, in its segments. It's, it's, it's designed to be like a season. Each book is just like, uh, like what we consider eight episodes. Good. Okay. Uh, real yeah. quickly, but voice still... actors. What's that? Oh, yeah, I was just about to mention that. Uh, voice cast. Uh, I noticed that Chris Pine's dad is in here as Duke. Oh, wow. Oh, God, who's his, fa- who's his father again? Uh, Robert Pine is best known for being on Chips. He was the captain on Chips. Some people might know him from Red Eye, where he's the snooty hotel guy with his wife being a pain in the ass. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Oh, yeah, Dana Hill. She was the voice of Danny, the now, kid you know that uh, finds him. Yeah, you know her from your communication. Uh, yes. Sadly, I mean, she passed. Yeah, so that, yeah she. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, she did. She passed away so, like, suddenly. It was that's it was sad. That's interesting. I'm looking at this right here, and the reason they replaced the children in the second vacation film is because Anthony Michael Hall chose to do weird science. Now Dana Barra never turned uh-huh. it down and was never asked. Since they had to replace one child, they decided to replace both children. That is shitty because Dana Barron is actually a pretty good actress. It's, it's... Uh, Dana Hill also did voice work for Mighty Mouse Adventures, Pound Puppies, Jetsons the Movie, Gummy Bears, Goof Troop, and Tom and Jerry the Movie. Oh, wow. And then you've also got someone, uh, you got Tress McNeil, you got a lot of well-known voice actors. Paxton Whitehead. Okay, uh, Paxton Whitehead is known as the shitty Dean. No, not Dean. He was in, uh, Back to School. He's that snooty upstart here. Really, I can't even do his voice, it's so deep. But it's, it's just that economics professor? Yes, he's got that, that huge comb over and the, the deep voice. And that snobby old fancy car. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'll punch him in the face. I'll punch him in the face. Yeah, it's, I don't actually recognize a lot of the other voices. Don Stewart, Greg Berger, Dennis Blair. Dennis Blair, I know that name. I think he's a stand-up comedian. Greg Berger does sound familiar to me. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, might be some from uh, some animated shows and video games. Oh, yes. He was the voice of Grimlock in uh, Transformers Devastation. Yeah, I would say on a whole, Rover Dangerfield is a fine movie. It's, I mean, I don't mean fine, like, ew, it's absolutely a fantastic, fine, autistic film. No, it's just fine to watch. You know, it's, it's a one-time watch. It is. It's fun. It is. It's it, it's definitely more kid-oriented, but, you know, I'll say this. I, it's most likely better than the Emoji movie. Oh, f- let's just talk about that right now. How the hell does a movie with, <laughs> like, 8% on Rotten Tomatoes... Uh, turn around and make like $25 million. When Atomic Blonde comes out with Charlize Theron that everybody's crazy about, and then it only makes 18 What is the matter with... Okay, first off, let's rewind to the meeting at Sony where they said, hey, look, Jindy Tartofsky showed us this test footage for the new Popeye. It looks fantastic. And then on the other hand, we have this emoji movie. Which one should we greenlit? Let's ask kids. We don't know who Popeye is. I know what an emoji is. Yeah, you know what? You also know what a poop looks like. Oh, wait. Poop is going to be a character in Emoji 2? God. 
Ugh. I don't care if they don't know who Popeye is. They'll learn. Yeah, I know, okay? right? How do you learn about anything? Why is it that Betty Boop stuff sells all the time, yet there's been no cartoons for like the last 70 years? So, you know, there's obviously an audience for... There's an audience for anything if you prep people for it. Because, oh, oh, no one knows who the Bugs Bunny cartoons are. Oh, they don't know what that is anymore. It's because you haven't made anything in a long time. Why don't you reintroduce the fucking thing? Right? You idiot! Every five years we get a new Spider-Man. You can't reintroduce some animated shorts before your films? Blech. Oh, yeah. Well, Homecoming, they didn't need to do an origin story, thankfully. I'll tell you that much right now. Thank goodness. I'm sick of that. I know. We already know what happened to Uncle Benton. Right, we already know why he became Spider-Man. <clears throat> Excuse me. Spider movie, Spider Man movies don't die; they multiply. And neither do the Bebe's kids. <laughs> do you like that segment? <laughs> that was classy, wasn't it? Indeed, I do. Yes, <laughs> it was very classic. Yeah, no. And again, by the same animation, the same animation company that did Rover Dangerfield, Hyperion. Uh, yeah, this was based off of uh, Robin Harris's uh, stand-up that he talked about, like Bebe's kids, and they were these like troublesome kids, and. I guess in memory of Robin Harris, they decided to do, you know, an animated movie about said characters, about that stand-up. And this is, I think, uh, on Love's uh, first actorial debut. Maybe. I, I know him mostly. Isn't he in, like, The Replacements or something, the football movie? Blue yeah, he is. He's in a bunch of movies. He was also in Couples of Treat. Uh, he was in that dis- abysmal movie, Who's Your Caddy? Oh. But still, I, I give on Love credit. He's funny. Well, I mean, a job's a job. What do we do for a living? I always think it's weird when people bitch about actors. Like, look, if they're a working actor, don't bitch. If they're a guy who has a lot of power and a lot of fame and they squander it, then bitch. Like Tommy Wiseau? <laughs> I don't know if that even counts. I'm kidding. I'm talking more like Nicolas Cage. Nicholas, do your taxes. Stop making so many shitty movies. Stop buying so many houses. You can be a little more quality control, you dumb dumb. Look at Tom Cruise. He fucks up once every ten years but manages to find a way out of it. Exactly. Sad that he's still a Scientologist. Yes, and he still made the mummy. Actually, I've never seen the mummy. It could be awesome. I have no idea. Eh, I'll tell you this: it tried too hard to be like uh, Brendan Fraser's Brendan Fraser's mummy uh, movie. You know, it's definitely action oriented. I was expecting more horror and terror. Yeah, well, it's PG thirteen and it's Tom Cruise. I think what Universal's trying to do is make a superhero franchise out of these monsters instead of making them actual monster movies, which is a huge mistake. They, don't we learn anything from Van Helsing? <laughs> yeah, no, but they are trying to make a monster movie universe. You're right. Uh, they, uh, you can definitely see like some of the setups in this lab that Tom Cruise goes through as he goes to meet Russell Crowe, who plays Dr. Jekyll. Now, let me ask you this. Everybody's doing these movie universes. There is the Amblin universe. Warner Brothers or Universal have the rights to all these characters, as far as I know. Would you pay money that very first day, the very first show, to see Gremlins vs. Goonies? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like always, hell yes, I'd like to see that. <laughs> of course, Corey Haim's most. But wait a minute. Corey Feldman played a part in the first Gremlins. Right. He was also Mouth and Goonies. Oh my god, he could face himself. <sighs> Paradox! And then Doc Brown comes in with the time machine and says, You guys can't be in the same movie at the same time. <laughs> exactly, we need to go back and fix this. Come on! And then he takes oh, mouth. Yeah, that'd be great. He takes mouth back in time uh, by accident. I can't, I'm not gonna figure out the reason. Uh, maybe because the battery's not included. Robots tried to fix the DeLorean, but they screwed it up. So then it ends up back in time with dinosaurs, <laughs> and then you have Jurassic Park. <laughs> it is. It's get, movie universes are getting absurd. I think the only ones that are handling it well 
are is definitely Marvel. And DC's getting, a, I think they're getting a good, uh, they're getting at a better pace now that Wonder Woman's a success. How is Fast and the Furious not like an extended world yet? Why is Hobbs still in the franchise? Why isn't he in his own? <laughs> and, I don't know, I guess, because Rock is like doing 10 million other movies and he won't like, you know, you know, exactly talk about that idea until he's done with all the other 10 million ideas he's yeah. going and uh, uh, movies he's doing. <laughs> Look, I didn't even know Rampage was done. They just announced the film and I didn't know it started actually. Uh, and then you, you got I the know. drain to the center of whatever. Uh, those movies are still like waiting for him to finish. Uh, you got G.I. Joe waiting around. Speaking of mixed universe, you got the Transformers and G.I. Joe and, and Mask and Voltron and all those other guys. I don't think Voltron's part of that universe, but trying to get together. Yeah. Oh shit, Jurassic Apes. Tell me you want to see a movie, the Planet of the Apes, use Taylor's spaceship, go back in time, and, and I, I want to see Cornelius riding on a pterodactyl. Oh, wow. Uh... <laughs> uh, <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Cornelius. Oh, yeah. Have you seen uh, War for the Planet of the Apes no, yet? No. You know I don't go to the movies anymore. I want to go. I want to go, okay. I, I want to go support the movie. I should probably go. Uh, because it's not doing Definitely see well. that one. Definitely see that. It's, I can't. I don't understand. How is it huh? that people are like, I'm on board for parts one and two, part three? You know, I know it's the end of the trilogy. I know it's the end of the story. It's as if I'm leaving halfway through an episode, but I'm not going to go. Mm, I don't know, but seriously, that movie was just awesome. I can't wait to see what Matt Reeves will do with Batman. Oh, yes. There's going to be a new trilogy. Uh, I heard it's going to be more detective-oriented because they've already gone so hard with yes. the spectacle. They need to pull it back. And, and you know what? You're going to save on money, too. And uh, Ben Affleck's not getting any younger, and apparently it's going to end in Batman Beyond. Yeah. Oh my God! I know they'll, they'll find someone younger, and he'll play Terry McGinnis, and they'll go through the future. Then they'll go through all this other cool shit that we'd see in the animated show. Really bring that heavy cool shit. Oh, that gets me excited. Oh, it makes yes. me a little steepy. <laughs> I'll admit that a little bit. Yeah, you got now. Stop it. <laughs> Now, anyway, rewind a little okay, bit. back to baby's kids. Yes, but hold on. I just thought of something <laughs> else. What if by Doc Brown going back in time with Mal, and they screw up the timeline, and then E.T. never comes and meets Elliot, and, and E.T. ends up going and meeting the Hendersons. It's E.T. and the Hendersons. And then Harry meets e., uh, Elliot. Oh, my God. Everything's different now. <laughs> what if he eats Elliot? Oh, my God. Rip his arms off and beat him to death with it, and it's just a horror movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And then he proceeds to eat all those little kids oh, from Little Giants. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've gone too far. Even Count Ace comes in and says, "We've gone too far." <laughs> and then Rick, as Rick they time Moranis, travel, they bump. They... <laughs> Rick Moranis shrinks the Sasquatch down. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait! As they travel back in time, they bump into Bill and Ted, and then they go on this huge, crazy, excellent adventure. And then unravel the entire universe. The whole, the whole thing is all planned out by the Grim Reaper because he's still mad that Station got all the attention. <laughs> Station. <laughs> Station. I'll let you know that I burn lots of calories. Uh, reaping it, it makes your butt really firm. <laughs> oh man. We have to do. Uh, yeah, no, I have to say the uh, Bill and Ted and Back to the Future. Like that's a double feature. Both had cartoons. Back to the Future, Bill and Ted, that should be something we just, we do a double feature of. Almost definitely, yes. Next time. Definitely the next time. That's what we're doing. All right, certain, I'm, writing, I'm writing it right here in pen. Yes, but we're also going back in time as we're speaking. Back to Bebe's kids. Have you ever seen House Party? Okay. Yes, that's where Robin Harris, he played uh, Kid's dad. 
but she didn't seem old enough to be his dad. But you forget that Kid and Play, man, they must have been teenagers at the time. Kid and Play, for about a two-year yeah. period, were phenomenons. And I think they only had one hit. And they even had a cartoon. Do you remember they had a cartoon series? I don't remember that they had a cartoon, but I remember the next few house parties. It was on NBC, and it was uh, 13 episodes, and it was a flop. Pretty much all of those cartoons that were based on celebrities or based on a movie were huge flops, except for me, pro stars. Like, and that might only be in my head uh, that was successful. Oh, oh wait, MCA Hammer, he had a cartoon as well. Oh, Hammer is fucking garbage. Oh my god, it's so terrible. Yeah. Was it, was, it, was it just Hamel. as bad as Battletoads? <laughs> what? Was it just as bad as Battletoads? Shit, no. Battletoads is the worst thing I've ever seen. Oh, fucking good. How good. do you dare say At least it's not as terrible as Battletoads. <laughs> okay, anyway. Yeah, no, Robin Harris, yeah, he died two years before this movie was made. Or before it was released. Yeah, Reginald Hudlin Seven. was the director of House Party. He got enough power off that because that movie was a, a really cheap movie. I think it cost like $2 million and made twenty something like that. And uh, oh, wow. that got him some clout, so they re went ahead and greenlit the movie. It's not very expensive. Neither is Rover Dangerfield. Both uh, were about $10 million animated films. And if it wasn't for House Party being successful and the animation boom that came after Roger Rabbit and Little Mermaid, I don't think there was any chance it would ever come out. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Also, I want to say Robin Harris. I remember him from uh, Do the Right Thing. I don't remember that. Yeah, he played uh, Sweet Dick Willie. Sweet Dick, is that his name? Sweet Dick Willie? Wow. Yeah. Because Willie, Willie is uh, basically a word for your penis, and so is Dick. Huh. Sweet penis penis. Sweet. <laughs> Sweet penis penis! <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, man. But yeah, no, that yeah, that's where he was also from. That's where I recognized him. But yeah, um, again, this, uh, it, did get, it did spawn an abysmal Super Nintendo game. Honestly, I used to have it, and the controls were just fucking god-awful, and so, it was so cheap. Most video games based that. on movies were terrible. Oddly enough, most video games based on cartoons were actually pretty good. Yeah. Huh. Most cartoons based on video games It depends were on the cartoon good. as well. Hmm. Yeah, it would depend on the video game. I mean, you had SWAT Cats, you had Tiny Toons, you had uh, Darkwing Duck, that was for Nintendo. DuckTales! Don't, you cannot deny that DuckTales was Rescue Rangers, was the Batman animated series one was great. Batman and Robin was great. Oh, yes. Oh yeah! Oh, oh yeah! Batman: The Adventures of Batman and Robin. Yeah, yeah. The Red Sippy game. Uh, if you're talking, the design of Red Sippy is great, but it's so difficult. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, no. It, what was great? Uh, I will say this about Baby's Kids. Uh, again, for me, it was an enjoyable. It was definitely enjoyable. It was fun to watch. Definitely, like um, again, the voice acting was and the uh, little situations they got themselves into were hysterical. And these kids were just, like, so bad and so, you know, disruptive and chaotic that even, like, a highway patrolman were scared of him. Because <laughs> he was, like, about to get pulled over. And then they look at the back and he says, oh, my God, it's Bebe's kid, and drives off. <laughs> Do you want to know what this opened up against? What did it open up against? Death Becomes Her, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Stupid title. Seriously, what were you thinking? Blew Up the Kid? Mo Money, A League of Their Own, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Sister Act. Jesus, all those already? Yeah. In one weekend? I, I think the next weekend is when Universal Soldier came out. Oh, damn, yeah. Shit, you had too much variety. Oh, God. No wonder why I probably didn't make as much money. It was only, it was like, a, what, a $10 million movie? It only made, like, how much? Eight. Shit, so it lost $2 million. Honestly, I'd go see Mo Money. That was a much better movie. Isn't that, was that the one with, um... 
Chris Tucker and Charlie Sheen? No, that's Money Talks. Uh, this is the one with Damon Wayans and his little brother and Stacy Dash. Oh, I'll have to look into that. Damn, it's been a while. The uh, anyway. oh yeah, I'll... can you do a tone low compression? I can't do it. No, I can't. I don't even want to try. I don't want to insult the guy. I'm, I'm sorry. I love you, tone low. I love. I can't. Oh, no, my boy. Uh, I swallowed. Uh, yeah, uh, oh, wait, no. Oh, yeah, Surf Ninjas. I swallowed, <laughs> I swallowed my key Tuesday. I swallowed every Tuesday. <laughs> you actually did yo, a, a yo. decent impression of him. Why did you think that you didn't have it? Because <laughs> I have no faith in myself, man. Tone Look is also in our next film, uh, Fern Gully. The Last Rainforest, which is another movie I had never seen before, even though I know people who worship this movie, like one of the greatest animated films ever made. It didn't seem like something that interests me. I'm like, oh, it's in the trees, it's with fairies. Nope. Uh, and I actually extremely... Tim Curry. It was so good. I know. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I thought it was classic. And who else was in there? Oh, yeah, there was um, Christian Slater. He was the voice of that, like, that one fairy who's always trying to get with the main character. Yeah. But can't. She's just not that into him. She's too involved with humans and learning to become the next protector of the fairies. Learning magic and everything. And, that, yeah, no, I loved how it was, like, definitely more of, like, a pro-nature kind of thing. Like, definitely getting kids into, like, you know, caring more about the trees and the environment. Kind of slowly, uh, you know, kind of like with what Captain Planet was doing. Yeah. But in a more fant- more fantasy kind of setting. Well. And, again, the animation I thought was, like, top-notch and just fantastic and unique. Yeah, you know, what, what was really shocking is uh, the director, Bill Croyer, uh, never directed another thing. He is now a teacher at a college. And, and I'm shocked because I would think that he had done tons of movies after this. Mm. Yeah, no. It, 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 sometimes it depends. Like, you only see, like, an actor in, like, a couple movies, and then that's it. Like, with uh, the guy from Weird Science. I only saw him in that, and uh, what was, it? Wild, was it Wild Times with uh, Chris Penn? Oh, uh... I think. No, not Wild Times. Shit. I know what he's always saying. It's casual. It's casual. Wild. Yeah. Shit, I can't remember. I'm sorry. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so he was in ah. he was in Weird Science. He was in Superboy for a while, the TV series. And he was also in a very, very good movie that nobody seems to have seen called The Chocolate War, which is based on a fantastic... Did you hear me? Chocolate War. Chocolate War. Chocolate War. Okay, you watch that Johnny Depp movie with Sean Young? Is, is that why? Is that why you thought it like that? And the chocolate war. My throat's full of chocolate and whiskey. Yeah. Yeah, no, honestly, like, sometimes actors will only do, like, a couple movies just to get themselves uh, through school and then just stick to their career in school. Yeah. Because I think that guy though. became a teacher after that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. So, and so is the guy who did this. Uh, he is a teacher at Chapman University, and he's also. Uh, you know what? Okay, so technically he did do stuff after this. He just wasn't a director again. Maybe he was just frustrated by this. He was originally set to be the director for Quest for Camelot, which I, I've never seen. Uh, he did the animation oh, for the Garfield film, Scooby-Doo, Cats and Dogs, and Flintstones in Viva Rock uh, Vegas. Rhythm and Hughes. I think that might be, uh, no, that's Digital Domain. I don't know who owns Rhythm and Hughes. Not sure. I will say this. Uh, Fern Girl, who definitely had a lot of wonderful musical numbers. That's when Tone Loke really came in. Yeah. That's what. That's like one of the reasons. That was his like big cameo as the lizard who wants to eat uh, the the shrunken human, Zach. And then you also got Tim Curry as the main villain, uh, Hexus, who was like, uh, basically the embodiment of all this. Yeah, he was like the embodiment of all this pollution, and he was like this dark, vile god killing off all the forests and everything. And he just sings this one beautiful number. You know, 
Toxic Love. That's what it was called. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I had to sing a little bit. I had to sing a little bit of it just to refresh the title. Yeah, no, again, just absolutely wonderful. Takes you back to the, like, the Rocky Horror Picture Show days. I'm like, oh, you're the villain, but we love you. <laughs> Can't help it. Damn you, Tim Curry. Uh, here's something interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, so Bill Croyer also did the opening animation to Christmas Vacation. Oh, wow. Huh. Looking back on it now, yeah, this animation style did seem kind of similar. Yeah, no, that's pretty funny. Worked on but Tron. still, I mean, I, I kind of... Huh? He worked on Tron. Holy shit. Now I admire this guy even more. Damn it. Bill Crow, you beautiful bastard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rob Williams, anyway. this is... I don't think this is his first anime yeah. work, but this is something that got him uh, kind of connected to Aladdin. Uh, he had originally meant to be just doing a cameo, like the way Cheech and Chong are in this, just for a cameo. And it just builds from there because the director just fell in love with his freewheeling style. And so he beefed up his role. And I think Rob Williams also enjoyed that it was something easy to do. You know, something that he didn't have to get dressed up for. That he get the lighting right and just go in and do your voice and have fun with it. And, and that had to have, be some, have been something that led to Aladdin. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, no, I mean, just him seeing his little batty rap. The name is Betty. The logic is Rete. <laughs> and then doing all those little voices and all those different characters, you know, as he's telling a story or uh, Zach's like hitting his antenna to try and get him to help him out, take out uh, the villain. Uh, yeah, no, again, and I'm pretty sure this what did lead to Aladdin. This, you know, because when you watch Aladdin, Robin Williams does like a million impressions and has... Uh, and uh, behind the scenes stuff, he gave um, the directors so much material that they had to cut, I think, more than half of it out. Wow. Yeah, a lot of material. The songwriting on this is actually upper level, too. This is clearly Fox's uh, chance to try to compete with Disney before Disney became its mega beast. Uh, you know, $24 million for this is very expensive at that time. You sneeze that out now with every Disney movie. That's just in prep work. But, you know, they, they yeah. got Alan Silvestri from Back to the Future and so many other great soundtracks doing the score. You have name yeah. actors. You have, it's not just the ones we mentioned so far. We also have Samantha Mathis, um, who many people probably know from Broken Arrow with Christian Slater and also Pump Up the Volume with Christian Slater and also uh, Thomas Jane's wife in The Punisher. Oh, wow. Oh, wait, wasn't she, uh, wasn't she in the Super Mario Brothers? Didn't she play Daisy? That is right. I forgot about that. Oh, well, I don't blame you. It's a shitty movie. <laughs> One other actor in this, who is actually the main cast member, is played by Jonathan Ward. Nobody remembers who Jonathan Ward is. I do because of two things. One great, one awful. Mac and me. Have you ever seen this gigantic flying piece of shit? Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh. Uh, hold on. I'll have to look it up. Mac and me. Mac it, and me. It sounds familiar. Okay. Is this an alien that like gets it, uh, goes into a stuffed bear? It's, yeah, it's uh, basically McDonald's paid for the entire movie, and they wanted an E.T. ripoff, so they have this goofy-looking, it looks like a, basically a bunch of walking testicles. Uh, these aliens with goofy faces teaming up with this family or whatever to outrun the aliens, and the whole movie is paid for by McDonald's, so that's why the character's name is Mac, and that's why half the scenes are in McDonald's, or somehow connected to McDonald's, is a giant piece of shit that, as a ten-year-old, I loved. <laughs> oh yeah no now i remember Ugh, yeah beautiful. but he's oh, also God. in a tv show called beans baxter the adventures of beans baxter and he was a teenager who was a secret agent uh inherited the role from his father who had gone missing 
It is from the creator of Better Off Dead in One Crazy Summer, Ozzel Eek the Cat. Oh, right. I, in fact, think it was the oh, first... Oh, wow. It was the very first Fox TV show to ever air, I think. Okay. Oh, yeah, wasn't he in a movie called uh, Whitewater Summer as well? Shit, you are right! I forgot about that. Whitewater Summer, that's a good flick. No one talks about that one anymore. Huh. Oh, yeah, and he was also in a... I think he was also in a Steel Magnolias. Because I'm looking at him right now, and, yeah, he looks so familiar. I'm gonna take he looks like one of their on kids. That. I'm going to take your word on that, because there's no way I've ever seen Steel Magnolias. Oh, really? No, I've never seen it. Oh, no dude, it's, a, it's, it's a great movie. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking, but, yeah. Hmm. I'd see it. Yeah, no, he was in that movie. We literally hit, oh, a, shit. We hit a wall. <laughs> uh, last, <laughs> last thing I'm going to say here is the songs, for the most part, are written by Thomas Dolby. Do you know who Thomas Dolby is? Blinded me with science, yes. Science! And he, and he also did uh, Howard, the music for Howard the Duck. Did he? I'm pretty sure he did. Oh my god. I gotta hear it now. Hold on. Not Howard the Duck. <laughs> well, John Barry did the original music, but I think the Howard the Duck song, like uh, some of the songs that actually did take place, were written by Thomas Dolby. Oh, Howard the Duck. You and I have been meaning to talk about that over on Trash Cinema for years. Or did we, and I just don't remember it. I don't think we did. It might have been a while. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to, dig, we'll have to do some digging. Howard <laughs> the Duck. That's all the only lyrics I know. Just, I, love, I love songs that mention the movie in the song. It drives, it just, I, I love it. Yeah. The king oh, of that gosh. being it, it, it's t- and Definitely. And that was by Oingo Boingo. <laughs> uh, so our last anyway. movie is going to be Aladdin. I figured it's a good segue since it's Robin Williams connecting to that one. And Exactly. Your turn. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. Okay. Uh, it, Okay, okay, fine, I'll go. It is my second favorite. Uh, it's my second favorite animated Disney movie. First one being Peter Pan. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say that's my second I mean, favorite Aladdin uh, movie. <laughs> it's it's my well, it's a close second because of Robin Williams mainly, and because you know, again, I love the artwork. I love seeing something more exotic, different, and uh, again, yeah, Genie, Genie just what does it for me, especially like after he does this whole song and dance number, and then uh, Aladdin you know, tricks him into getting him out of that cave when he does that little Robert De Niro taxi driver impression. <laughs> every time I think about it, I still can't help but laugh. It's funny, looking at this, this is when um, Aladdin was still like, hey, is this going to be the thing that makes or breaks Disney? Like, you know, this was a time where one bad movie could fuck up everything for Disney that they've been going at. I still can't believe only $28 million. I mean, what they spent on animation 25 years ago can you believe it's been 25 years ago? I'm so old. I was only four years old. Oh, God. I was a fr- sophomore in high school. Damn. I know, right? I'm so old. My yeah, balls and my knees say. just clanging yeah. around. Like a little pendulum. It's like one of those things that you see in the psychiatrist's uh, office, and it's like it's really distracting. Yep, and, and those are actually just what we have when you die. Your testicles are taken, you're 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 they're coded, and then they're sent to doctor's offices. That's how you pay back society, everybody. Pretty much, yeah. 
You know, he's like, you donate your organs and any other body parts, your debt's paid off. You're good. Did you ever uh, play the video game for Genesis? Yes, actually. I thought that was I thought that was a more fun version of um than the uh, Super Nintendo version. The Super Nintendo was definitely more of a kind of a platformer, uh, less action, and you had to hop around and bounce, try to get around and sneak from the enemies. Yeah, I think in the but, Genesis version, you take a chainsaw and you hack up all their heads, right? Is that the game? <laughs> no, it's a, no, no, no. They go old fashioned. They use a scimitar. Oh. They only just use a scimitar. Oh, am I thinking of and you throw heads? apples. <laughs> <laughs> then you throw explosive apples. <laughs> I remember that, though, when I was I a kid. It. People would be like arguing between uh, Super Nintendo and Genesis, and like, yeah, but you get to see the blood. In the hockey game, you get to beat the shit out of people. Uh, you know, the Mortal Kombat's much better on Genesis than Nintendo. Yeah, no, definitely. I will say that about some games, like RoboCop versus Terminator. Uh, yeah, no, like you got to see some gore, you got to see some people explode and heads blow up and all that shit. But in the Super Nintendo, it it actually had a story driven narrative. You actually see like you know cutscenes. That was the that was the high that was the high point of that. Yeah, well, the RoboCop so it, it versus Terminator sense. is a very very good game, and I wish it was a movie. And I'm I'm heartbroken that it can't be. Uh, James Cameron getting the rights back. Ah! Like, James Cameron, come on, you can make this work. Please, do it for us. <laughs> we love you. I'll see Avatar 2 twice yeah. whenever it comes out. No, you're not. You're, oh, no, he wants you to see Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5 because he's apparently a greedy son of a bitch. I don't know why he's doing so many. I don't think James Cameron knows what he's doing. Titanic destroyed his career. I know it made him a billion dollars, and so did Avatar, but every single time he's trying to one-up himself. And I was completely fine with uh, before. No, True Lies, The Abyss, T2, Aliens. You know, come on. Eraser. Wait, no, did he do Eraser? No, he did do Eraser. Okay, never mind then. That was Chuck Russell, the director of Mask. <laughs> ah, gotcha. Where are we at? Anyway. Oh, Aladdin. Uh, yeah, the Genesis game rules. I've never seen the sequels. I've seen the TV show. The TV show's fine. I actually really enjoy the TV show. But I've yeah. never seen the movies, and I'm actually afraid to because I've heard they're giant pieces of shit. Oh, well, I mean, I saw them when I was a little kid, so I didn't think they were that terrible. But the animation quality was cheaper. Uh, that much I'll say right now. However, the first one, oh my god. I mean, I, it's, to me, it still holds up. It still looks just as fantastic. Uh, of course, you get to see some early CG, uh, computer-generated imagery. Uh, you, like when he's trying to escape on the carpet, like as the Cave of Wonders is crashing and crumbling in itself because of fucking Abu. <laughs> couldn't keep his fucking hands to himself. Little shit. Frank Welker. God damn you, Frank Wilker. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's okay. Again, yeah, Frank Wilker's in here uh, as uh, Raja, the giant tiger, who's Jasmine's like bodyguard slash pet, and Abu, which is you know Aladdin's nifty little sidekick. And then there's Gilbert Godfrey. I don't know how to do a Gilbert Godfrey. You do it. You do a good Gilbert Godfrey impression. I don't know. I don't think I can do a good Gilbert Godfrey impression. I heard Godfrey you do it last week. You know, it's just so... I no, that's awful. It's awful. It's like you've got to be in the right mood. I don't know. Um, by the way, Gilbert Godfrey does this podcast uh, called Gilbert Godfrey's Colossal Podcast where he interviews actors and, and musicians and celebrities basically from the 60s and 70s. And it's really good, even though Gilbert is the worst fucking host I've ever heard. His co-host, Frank Santo Padre, is a true professional and actually a Facebook friend who does an amazing job, should have his own show, but the reality is is that nobody knows who Frank is, everybody knows who Gilbert is. But Gilbert has this bad habit of going on and on into this weird world that has nothing to do with the conversation at all. 
and <laughs> I've seen, I've not seen, I've heard guests basically like, should, should I just go? Because I don't think I'm part of this anymore. <laughs> yeah, pretty much at that point. I'd be like, Gilbert, I love you, but shut the fuck up for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we also have Jim Cummings, who everybody loves. I mean, Darkwing Duck is one of the greatest animated voices of all time. Yes, and of course, Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Uh, uh, Charlie Tigger. Adler, uh, Corey Burton, which names that come up here all the time. Of course, there's Frank Walker. Frank Walker's in every single thing we discuss, I swear. Take a drink, everybody. Uh, I'm out of rum. Ah. <laughs> so Aladdin is this massive beast. I think it was so huge that it actually destroyed another Robin Williams movie, which is actually, you know, it, it's a terrible movie. Toys is a really weird, strange, fucked up film. <laughs> oh, God, yes. And I watched that recently, I'm like, holy fucking shit, were they really trying to market this out to kids? Yeah, it's $40 oh, million, dollar, Barry Levinson directed, huge special effects, and uh, I think it made like $8 million or something pathetic. And it's just because, you know, A, it wasn't well-liked at all. It was too strange. And it opened up right after Aladdin. Yeah, no, that uh, big mistake. I, I mean, that's kind of like what happened with uh, Valerian right now in the U.S. It's only got, like, limited show timing, and it released, like, shortly after uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think part of it is no one really likes Dennis DeHaan, even though he's critically acclaimed. I don't think he is a movie star. He's never meant to be an A-lister. Uh, Luc Besson's movies are weird. Now, look at this. Fifth Element, at the time, was uh, received well by critics, but audiences were confused as to what the hell they were watching. It was a $70 million movie that I think only made, like, 53. Uh, even the poster was weird because it took me a while to even figure out they were saying the Fifth Element. I was just like, what is the, what am I looking at here? It was a bizarre wow. film, which now is much loved. Lilu is considered one of the first, like, great female heroes, even though at the time it was just like, so, like, what, what, what am I watching here? Well, I definitely would rank her with, like, Sarah Connor and, you know, Captain Janeway and Princess Leia and all them. Yeah. And, of course, Imperator Furiosa from Mad Max Fury Road. But, yeah, no, I'd never, I never, honestly, as a kid, like, it was on all the time, like, on HBO every summer. My God, and I absolutely fell in love with it. My favorite part of that movie, I just favorite part of Fifth Element is coming daddies. Only that line because the rest of you. Chris Tucker, stab, oh my god. You gonna stab him every single ball. Wine women in woochikoochikoo all night long. <laughs> all night long, all night. Oh god, I fucking love that scene. <laughs> uh, Charlie Charlie Adler we've discussed before in Tiny Toon Adventures as Buster Bunny. He plays Starscream. He has been part of Ah Real Monsters, Cow and Chicken, and nine thousand other cartoons that we have discussed. He is he comes up a lot. Again, yeah, another one of those go to guys like Frank Welker, Jim Cummings, and uh, oh god, Cam Clark and Jennifer Hale. Yes, uh, Corey Burton also comes up a lot. He was uh, was it Brainiac in the Superman universe? Count Dooku. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, we haven't discussed Star Wars yet. Uh, he was Spike in Shockwave and Transformers. He's been a big part of a lot of Disney projects. Uh, I'm trying to find one that everyone wow. knows. He's basically taken over a lot of the older ro roles. Like, he's Buzz Lightyear. He was Captain Hook and Zeus. Whatever. Yeah. Like, if there's a TV version of a movie, then he's done it. Oh, wow. Well, as far as Buzz Lightyear, I just thought, that, well, wait, no. That was the uh, animated series. Yeah, yeah, that was Patrick Warburton who did that. But, like, the first animated movie that spawned that uh, TV series was Tim Allen. But, yeah, no, again, Aladdin. Also, I think, I don't know, culture, uh, as far as the uh, sensitivity goes towards culture, 
Uh, I think that's kind of like where Disney does kind of falter. But then again, you know, people still love it anyway. Yeah. I mean, well, it wasn't necessarily it, it insulting. Time. It takes time to get where you need to be in film. Uh, you know, you'll look back at stuff in the 80s and it was very homophobic. You watch any movie, like Monster Squad, stuff like that, it seems like everybody's calling each other homo and fag and stuff like that. It's it's brutal. Um, it, I'm not saying that's an excuse, but that's the time it came from. It's just like the way it was in the 30s with Blackface and, and Looney Tunes cartoons. It's of its era, yeah. and it's time to move on. Aladdin is of its era, and it's time to move on. Now, they're remaking Aladdin. I hope that they correct those mistakes. Oh, they cast uh, Jasmine. She's, but um, the thing is, people were upset and like completely overlooking the fact that she's half Indian. Okay, okay. Do you think they'll? Yeah, but uh, also, do they the, have a hard time uh, casting Aladdin. Do you think they'll take out the animated "fuck me" in the clouds? Do you remember that? <clears throat> I don't think I saw that, but I'll have to. Okay, I have Aladdin on Blu-ray. I'll have to rewatch that. Oh, but I'm honestly, sure they I didn't edited it, it out with the Blu-ray. I think it was on the original VHS, and they had to go back and yeah. fix it. I will say this about Aladdin. What I did see, I'm like, I didn't see them like mocking or making anyone any fun, uh, fun of anybody from the Middle East or uh, anything like that. No, what it did play, all it did was like make it like a PG friendly version of the original Aladdin, you know, tale. Yeah. You know, and of course they weren't making fun of anybody's names or anything like that. Nothing too. Uh, I mean, yeah, they just mispronounced Aladdin. It's actually pronounced Aladdin. And again, that's just my viewpoint from what I see so far. I could be wrong. You know, it's weird, because I think the lyrics to the opening song are coming back to me. Arabian nights, like Arabian days, are yeah. hotter than hot. Mm, yeah. Most something or not, like Arabian uh, days. In a lot of good ways. A lot of good ways. Damn it, those, those lyrics are coming back to me. I know, I'll have to rewatch it again. <laughs> but, um, again, what I do... Oh, shit, no. Not again. I'm not even sure what I was about to bring up. Son of a bitch. Now I'm stuck on that song. Now I need to know those lyrics. Oh. <laughs> Alan Menken wrote it. Oh, yeah, Alan Menken. He did Newsies and uh, um, a little, little Mermaid, I'm pretty sure. Here oh, we yeah. Go. Maybe somebody else will pick it up. Um, anyway. You know the guy who plays the Sultan, Douglas Seal? He played Santa in uh, Ernest Saves Christmas. No wonder he sounded familiar, because there was something about his voice that I just couldn't put my finger on. And I'm like, oh, crap, that it is. 
Now I remember. This starts Disney oh, got relationship with uh, Terry Rossio and uh, Teddy. What the fuck's his name? Teddy Elliott, uh, who would go on to do you know oh, Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean. But I know them from doing a movie called The Puppet Masters, which uh, I don't know. Oh, Puppet ever. Masters, the little horror movie. Well, well, there's two Puppet Masters. That's when people get confused, and I think that's why this one, this version bombed. Okay. Uh, there's the Puppet. Oh, Masters is it the aliens? There's a little yeah, the aliens, not the little stupid dolls. Uh, with Donald Sutherland. It's right. a great movie. It didn't make anything. And, and they're like even trying to go, it's H.R. Heinlein's The Puppet Masters. And people are like, you mean the one with the little puppets? Fuck you. I'm not seeing that piece of crap. No, god damn it. <laughs> oh, they actually wrote uh. Little Monsters first? I didn't know that. What? Yeah. Huh. My god. I'm well, now I'll have to rewatch that. Look they wrote back on it. so much stuff, dude. They wrote uh, Men in Black, uh, Uncredited, um, Mask of Zorro, Ants, Godzilla, wow. Small Soldiers, The Road to El Dorado, huh? Shrek, oh. Treasure Planet, Sinbad, Legend of the Seven I Seas. Kn- this is crazy. National- I knew they did Treasure Planet. Yeah. National Treasure, Deja Vu, G-Force, wow. Lone Ranger. I don't know what Love Struck the Musical is. I don't know what the hell that is. But everything in there is uh, pretty well I'll, known. Yeah, I know. It's a shame about Lone Ranger, though. Yeah, you know, it's better than I thought it would be. Everybody's talking shit about it. and uh, You know, sometimes... A movie's budget gets in the way of its own success, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, no, they really go too far with the budget. I mean, that's kind of per- oh man, that's kind of how I personally felt with uh, Masters of the Universe. But at the same time, it's by Golden Globus, so what'd you expect? They were really going downhill at the time. Yeah, that's when uh, they you know, first started. I mean, like, we let this movie at twenty-five million dollars, but um, we kind of fucked up. So here's fifteen. Yeah, and uh, sorry, we're gonna have to shut this movie down. Can't do it anymore. Then Gary Goddard comes in. No, dude, I'm finishing this movie. Yeah. Uh, we'll just take the money away from Superman. Superman 4 looks bad. <laughs> Fuck you. Let's just move on. Oh, God, yeah. And was it bad? I was like, I'm sorry, Christopher Reeve. You had great intention, and you were in the right mindset. But, yeah, dude, the Saul Kynes and Golden Globe have screwed you over. But anyway, um, I will have to say, though, uh, one movie, one Disney movie that Grease didn't air was the Hercules movie. Wait, what? Yeah, uh, it was... And, yeah, no, they didn't, uh, Greece didn't, uh, sh- uh, the country of Greece didn't, uh, oh. didn't show, uh, the Hercules movie. They thought it was too, um, culturally misrepresentative and everything. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's goddamn mythology. I know, right? But we do the same thing it's, with the Bible here, you know? I mean, there's no real, oh, I'm not going to get into this, but, you know, there's no 100% proof that it even happened, any of it exists, but because it's part of our well. world. Therefore, so I get where they're coming yeah. from if you consider how it comes from here. Yeah, but still, again, the whole Bible thing. Eh. I know. I, yeah, we I mean, all know here, Jesus here. was not white. I, I, here, <laughs> this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say this. I've been thinking about this for a while or since Dipshit became president. Uh, Trundle dump. Um, I want to say that uh, it's made me go back. Cause see, I grew up religious. It was kind of my background for a long time. And, uh, and then it kind of faded away as, as I started questioning things. I think the argument of whether or not the Bible is real or not is beyond the point now. It is not the point. I think you just need to understand the lessons that Jesus was trying to teach you, whether they're real or not, or he was real or not. The ideas, the parables are there. And people need to go back to at least trying to respect each other and show, you know, uh, respect and love. And, um... I don't understand how these religious people are still so devoted to a group of people that don't give a fuck about anybody except for the ones giving them money. 
and it's mind-boggling. It's like, oh, Trump was sent by God. What are you fucking talking about? You are an idiot. You have no idea what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, and if Jesus and if Jesus did come back, he'd be like, uh, yeah, no, my dad didn't send him. That guy was a mistake. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed <laughs> or not, but uh, when you read it, uh, you can clearly tell that I'm a liberal. I don't mean politically. I just I know. mean a liberal human being and giving uh, people what they need to survive. Um, and they were exactly. like, fuck you, Jesus! Get off Trump! It's like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I was here first. Come on. <laughs> Yes. I taught you to be cool people. Did I stutter everything that I say? No, I didn't. No, they're gonna. I see didn't that, have that. They're gonna see that he's not white, and they're gonna be like, "Fuck this guy." And I was like, "Well, tough shit. You should have known better." God, I mean, science was proving otherwise. Science, history, everything else. Science you is fake. Listened. The world is flat. Did you go to the end and take a picture? What? Uh, hold on. No. Did shit. your cat? Did your cat knock everything off the shelf? <laughs> oh, why do we yeah, still have oceans? Shouldn't the water have fallen off into space? Ooh, exactly. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Well, we got off on a tangent. I know. There, didn't yeah, we? there's a little something called gravity. <laughs> well, we brought a little bit of gravity uh, into this episode. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Arabian Nights. <laughs> oh, did you know who they cast as a, a genie in the live-action film? No. Will Smith. Oh, thank God. I think you're going to say Tyler Perry. Oh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, Let's rub his lap. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, Will Smith does have that enthusiasm for sure. I'm sure he'll, he'll nail it. Oh, thank God. He needs um, a hit anyway. I will, I will say, um, as far as it goes for like uh, who they cast, it's, uh, I can't forget your name, but she played uh, Kimberly in the latest Power Rangers movie. She's uh, that. English. Did you watch Power Rangers? Yes. Did you like it? I did, actually. I thought it was enjoyable. I don't know. People couldn't get the whole, like, uh, Teen ther- group teen therapy session kind of vibe it gave, but I'm like, well, it's definitely more relatable to you know how teens actually are than some like happy-go-lucky bullshit from the '90s. Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Maybe I'll give it a shot. I did actually enjoy the '95 movie directed by Brian Spicer. Um, I remember watching oh, it a couple yeah. times, being like, hey, it's not bad. Yeah, no, I, I watch it now as an adult. I'm like, oh god, they could have just been smashed right there while they're doing their cool like little poses, summoning the <laughs> Zord. <laughs> um also yeah no the thing is they cast her she's uh half indian plus you know i think back around the era that Aladdin's supposed to take place there wasn't like you know separate countries like india and all this and that it was all just within that region you know was well, it where is it Siberia? sumerian right samaria yeah yeah that's siberia samaria or or is it hyboria no, that oh shit, that's a Hyborian age. Yeah, Hyborian age. Conan? Okay, is Hyborian from Conan? Yeah, Hyborian age. Fuck, I didn't even remember that. Yeah, I know. But as far as it goes, so yeah, like within that region, so it could make sense for like you know Jasmine to be Indian. I mean, it was all like again under one like uh, major empire. I want to say this: Turkish Empire. At least I think. they're not white. I think we've yes, that up of course so many not. Times. I think Dragon Ball was the first time we were like, oh, well, I'm sorry, what, what? What's this? Uh, another bland, talentless white guy. Great, awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, I know Chi Chi was Asian, so you know that was a good thing. Bulma, yeah, no, and then you got oh god, the last Airbender. What the fuck? Oh, what a boring ass movie. The cartoon is so good. And then M Night Shyamalan just made it a really shitty fucking movie, and he didn't only just whitewash it; he also curried it. He, you know, because the Fire Nation were all like Indian. All right, everybody. I think we've hit the end of this episode. What are we gonna do next, Jacob? I think I know. I'm gonna tell you. Yeah, I know. We just 
I know. I, hey, we just discussed this a minute ago. I'm like, damn it, we got to discuss. Uh, oh shit! Now I lost my train of thought. Now I don't remember. I had it written down yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Well, Bill and Ted and Back to the Future. We should do, but yes, uh, that's what it is. Thirty years ago, something came out that you and I both adore, which spawned many sequels and franchises and, and cartoons and comics and whatnots. Robocop. Robocop. Let's do a Robocop episode. There's two animated series. We'll get to talk about the movies. Sadly, we won't get to talk about the comics because uh, I don't have any in there. Mostly terrible. I do. You do? I have the one by Frank Miller. That one's okay. I think it's okay. Is it the real script for part two? Uh, yeah, it was the script for like that blended. It, it blends both two and three together. Yeah. That's what it does. I don't know, man. It was okay. I think mostly the art sucked ass, but Marvel did a comic of it for a while. But it, it, we're, we're going. We'll discuss this on the next episode. So you want to do that? There's two. Yeah. There's the 1988 Marvel RoboCop series, and then there's RoboCop Alpha yes. Commando, which is actually better than I ever expected. Yes, we could do those. We'll definitely do those. Also, right, right. I do want to say this: as mm-hmm. far as the as far as the live action Disney versions go, they did a great job with uh, Cinder. They've done a great job with Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast. I am kind of looking forward to Aladdin. Hopefully. They cast someone right for Aladdin. Yeah, Jungle Book. I mean, come on. This... I really enjoyed Jungle Book. Now they do oh. The Lion King. Oh, yeah. Uh, gosh, uh, Donald Glover's going to be in it. He's going to play Simba. Mm-hmm. And James Earl Jones is coming back as Mufasa. I mean, who else can who else can do that? He's still alive. He still sounds just as great. Get him back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, plus oh, he's Darth wait, Vader. And, you know... Oh, gosh. If they, should, they should get Nathan Lane back. Come on. Just do it. Please. Yeah. I love Pumbaa. I love <laughs> I'm a fan. So yeah, I can't wait to see how Aladdin will turn out. I really look. I'm hoping they choose someone right. They don't need to get it. They don't really need to get an A-lister. Let's. I mean, let's let's think about it. It's Disney. People are already going to flock to see it anyway. You got Will Smith. Again, that's all you need. That's yeah, it. Will Smith is your A-lister, so therefore you have room for a B-lister. But look at the movies they've done before: Jungle Book, no stars; uh, Cinderella, no stars; uh, one kind of minor star, Emma Watson, with uh, Beauty and the Beast. But the title sells it, so you don't need a big name. Um, I, I bet you they're going to go with that kid from um, Slumdog Millionaire. Death Patel? Yeah, I bet you they will. Oh, well, actually, yeah, he has an eye for it, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, anyway, uh, <clears throat> as you were saying, Michael. On Facebook, under Retro Rock Entertainment, or hey, if you only like animation and comics, go on over to Back in Tunes, the other page we set up. We have every single episode there. Uh, back in tunes as well as comics on infinite earths and i know that we've been kind of slow with the episodes lately and i'm going to really focus i apologize summers is one of these times where i do the other shows and i really need to cut it out until we finish this this was a journey that we're planning to wrap up in 2015 and we're going to really have to nail it home if we're going to be done by then i appreciate my friend ken reed sitting in this last month doing some fill-in episodes he's been uh, interviewing some great people in animation uh billy west he did uh, Brendan Small from Home Movies. He talked to uh, Andrea Romano, the voice casting voice casting ad director. director. And uh, I think he has a couple more episodes lined up while we get ready. Um, I cannot believe the reaction to Beast Wars and G.I. Joe, the second series. It was phenomenal. Uh, one of our best episodes ever, numbers-wise. And um, yes. our worst episodes, quality-wise. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we didn't discuss, there's one thing we did not discuss, I want to do it real quick, is Itsy Bitsy Spider is the opening cartoon on Bebe's Kids. And originally me and my friend Tony were going to discuss this on What the Fuck Tunes, but it's actually really good, and uh, it's almost impossible to find. It's strange that I can't find any episodes except for the original short film that showed before Bebe's Kids, 
it's really good, and it has Jim Carrey as the exterminator, and it's a, it's a hoot. It wasn't Matt Frewer in that as well? Wasn't I did he the see him in that. Um, maybe he is, but Jim Carrey and Matt Frewer do sound similar, so you could be thinking that. Mm, okay. That could be it, for sure. All right. <clears throat> you want to send us out? Uh, yes, of course. All right, everyone. Hey, Michael, you say it first. Uh, fought on a snare drum. I ain't fought on no snare drum. <laughs> Not that one. The other one. <laughs> um, everybody be excellent to each other. Namaste and good luck. All right, ready for blast off. Let's go!